better bring in some guests, I suppose, for the afternoon. First of all, um, he's back. He bailed me out of an absolute mess last year, and I still appreciate it now. Um, welcome back, Jamie. Good afternoon, mate. Hello. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing decently. I hope everyone else is, and yeah, looking forward to the stream. Yeah, it's going to be good. Oh, crazy morning. Loads of technical stuff. I hope you've got your technical head on. I know I haven't. Uh, it should be interesting. But yeah, thank you for coming on, mate. It's a, a pleasure. Uh, and also a new voice on the channel all the way from Canada. He's not travelled. Don't worry. It's all over Discord. Um, good afternoon or more specifically. Uh, good morning to you, Chris, from the Batmarkers F1 show. I got your channel name right. Come on. Absolutely. Yes. Good morning. Good afternoon. I was about to say it's, uh, it's morning over here in Canada, but uh, super excited to be with you guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I know, I think we spoke um, briefly over on Twitter a couple of years ago now, probably, uh, about maybe doing something together. So great to finally uh, get you on. I'm kind of just filling there because I just, I just for some reason, decided to open Lightroom. You know, why not? <laughs> We're kicking this stream off in style. Um, yeah, good. So, I mean, we've got to kick off with the, the Mercedes stuff from this morning. Properly interesting. Um, I, did you guys see it? I assume you saw it. Yeah, I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, I saw it uh, just briefly this morning because uh, obviously while it happened, I was still asleep, but I was looking at it thinking, uh, it looks like Mercedes may be on their way to the seventh world championship already. It's certainly the feeling I'm getting. The fact that they've got this new clever suspension at the rear, which Ted Kravitz was getting excited about yesterday, and then you've got this other new innovation, I think they've got to be confident. And they're not even, I kept saying it this morning, they're not even sandbagging. That's what I'm finding weird. Their times are pretty okay so i think they're confident but there's a lot of speculation about whether it's safe um whether or not it's legal apparently according to james allison um and i'm going to read it now he was asked about the steering wheel trick and he said it's a new system we call it das uh, it opens up additional possibilities and creates a new dimension in steering it will benefit the driver throughout the season how it works and why we have it we keep to ourselves but it is believed that and I'll quote him again, this isn't new to the FIA. We're talking to them for some time now. So it is legal, apparently, um, despite how illegal it actually looks. And GPToday.net, Fergal messaged me actually about this. Um, they did an interview with uh, Paolo Felicetti. you <laughs> right there. Um, and he said... Um, I've heard that the FIA has already approved the system, partly because of the fact Mercedes has said we are going to test it right away of holding it back instead of holding it back. So it is a totally legal system. Um, I am going to do some reading in a moment as well or a little bit later, but that, that's all the reading I can do for now uh, from the race. I think Gary Anderson's had his, his head around it and trying to work out what's going on with that one. So I'll have a read of that during this stream too. Um, but fascinating stuff, but it's it's legal, Jamie, so we can all stop speculating, and I'm sure this is absolutely the last <laughs> we're going to hear about it. Yeah, it reminds me quite a lot of um, back in the day with the F-Duct that McLaren bought in for, I think, 2010, where like their system was legal, but then when other teams tried to copy it, they decided that they were then unsafe, so they were banned for 2011. But I'd be surprised if they ban it for this season, having already gone through all the hassle of saying it's legal at this point, but if other teams try and copy it and they end up making stuff where like you got to take a hand off the wheel and something like that then i can see them banning it for 2021 to be honest yeah it's, it's definitely one of those things they try and close off it's a massive advantage um esteban ocon staring at his car so that's not a good sign uh problems all day for Renault. those garage doors have been down about as much as they've been open uh today but do you do you expect to hear a bit more about this come australia chris do you think we'll get some protests from the old scuderia and whatnot 
I think absolutely. I mean, if it if this new system, if it's legal and if the lap times are representative and especially if when we get out to the first race in Australia, if they're still able to use this system and are just blowing away the field, I think you'll see protests probably up and down the grid, especially from the likes of Red Bull and Ferrari. But yeah, I don't know. It's I was reading just a tweet earlier that Racing Point said it would take almost around six months to try and copy this system. So, I, you know, it always amazes me with Mercedes just how clever and efficient they are and just how, even though they've won six world championships, somehow they just keep getting better. I, I honestly don't know how they do it. <laughs> it's, it's, it is amazing, like you said, they're six world championships and they're still finding new things to improve the car. It's yeah. incredible. Um I can see this all kicking. I think it's going to be one of those things. If if we turn up to Australia and it hasn't really made that much of a difference, we'll probably hear nothing else about it. If they turn up to Australia and they're a second and a half a lap quicker than anybody else, it's all kicking off after FP1. Right. Um, absolutely. But, I mean, you, you've got to give them credit. They're trying new things. But also, from a, from a viewer's perspective, this morning was hilarious. You're just watching this on board. And you're sort of like, oh, we're on board with Lewis. And then all of a sudden, he just pulls the steering wheel back and you go, you what, mate? Uh, <laughs> that, that's not normal. What are you doing? You think, yeah. oh, it, it's faulty. It's broken. And you're just thinking of Kimi Räikkönen and his steering wheel thing. It's like, oh, my God, what's going on? And then pushes it back and you think, this is weird. Um, but great innovation. I mean, there's some great explanations out there. Definitely go and follow um, Gary Anderson over on the race. I'm sure you guys uh, know who they are. Um, you should all know who Gary Anderson is as F1 fans. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, but I will. Uh, I don't like reading too much from like, what people read without permission, uh, write without permission, because that's their property and it's a bit um, cheeky. But I'm trying to find the, there was an explanation of it. I will try and find it for this stream. But um, also this rear suspension they've got going on on the car that's probably going to lead to a massive improvement as well um, this season. That's something Ted Kravitz was very excited about yesterday. Because uh, it was new, but yeah, we'll we'll talk more about Mercedes as it goes on. Because I think it's going to be um, the main talking point of the next couple of days. I would say certainly the main talking point of the first test. The other main talking point of the first test. Uh, I know we kind of covered it this morning, but it'd be great to see what um, what you think, Chris, and you as well, Jamie. Um, your thoughts on the racing point and this whole alleged copying of the W10? I mean, I say alleged; it's practically identical. Um, but do you think? From an ethical point of view, is that what we want to see in F1, Chris? Do we want these teams being able to go and buy big parts of these teams' chassis at the front and dominating that midfield? Yeah, you know, I was joking yesterday that uh, with the testing results, it was a Mercedes 1-2-3 as we finished the day. But, I mean, it, it's hard to ignore how similar it looks. But we're seeing this with, with other teams in the grid. I mean, I was reading an article uh, just yesterday about Gunter Steiner and the comments that he made that, couple years ago when Haas entered Formula One in 2016, Force India were kind of lodging the same complaint that a lot of their parts were similar to Ferraris and, and things like that. So we're seeing this already on the grid with Alpha Tauri slash Toro Rosso taking pretty much the whole rear end of the Red Bull from Red Bull Technologies and Haas also using Ferrari parts. So the problem is, and I agree with what Carlos Sainz said too, that these teams like McLaren and the and you know maybe the likes of Renault as well. They're going to struggle sometimes if these quote unquote B teams are getting these parts from these big manufacturers like Mercedes or Ferrari that have all this money and and development and things like that. So I could definitely see it being a problem if it gets too out of hand. Um, now, obviously, as we're looking at the timing sheets, of course, Racing Point have put in some decent times so far, but. 
whether that translates into the regular season and the races and whether they can score some podiums or points finishes, uh, we'll have to see. What do you think, Jamie? Because, I mean, Rico saying now, why are we all getting upset about Force India stroke Mercedes, but not over Alpha Rosso Red Bull? Uh, love your use of names there. Um, as I remember, people were kicking off when Toro Rosso used to take Red Bull's bits and bobs. Yeah, especially when Toro Rosso like, started getting pretty good, like 08 and 09, like, almost. Like, when they started progressing up from like a, a bank marker team into the midfield, solidly, other midfield teams were kicking off and saying, like, they're just taking Red Bull's pass. That's not right. Um, but I kind of understand it from Force India's point of racing points point of view. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the first one. Uh, that they might as well really like a couple of years ago they were complaining about Haas taking Ferrari's parts and like if you can't beat them, join them. It's it's still gonna catapult them up the uh, up the the championship order. I, I presume at least. Um, and yeah, it's just they've done a slightly better job of Haas than Haas did because they've actually taken Mercedes parts, which are usually better than Ferrari parts. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But to be fair, like the likes of Renault and McLaren, if they can't make a car that's able to beat like last year's Mercedes and Ferrari, then that's kind of their own problem as well. I think people's concern, and I kind of get it, and I think we can all sort of agree um, it's a fair concern, is that we're going to end up with Mercedes, Ferrari and Red Bull and then Racing Point, Haas, and Alfa Tori, and then Williams, Renault, and McLaren just doing their own thing and down the back somewhere because they can't, they refuse to just buy these parts, which I totally understand. They want to be proper constructors, but um, I, I understand the moaning around it. And we did have a lot of it with, with Toro Rosso and Red Bull. We had a lot of it as well with Haas and Ferrari. People still poke fun at that, but these teams haven't got huge budgets at the minute, although I'd like to think Lawrence Stroll has got more than a bob or two. Um, so I think he should be okay to put some money into Racing Point, but I think they haven't got the huge budgets of the big teams. It's as Ma uh, not Martin Brundle at all. I'm lying. Who was it this morning? I, said, I think it was um, Alex Jakes. It's a bit of a throwaway year this year for a lot of teams like Racing Point because so much focus and money's got to go on next year. So they can make it cheaper and also build a decent car for this year or buy parts to build a decent car, then... You know, why not? Because, of course, next year, 2021, it's all got to be 100% their own work because there's absolutely no way Mercedes are going to sell Racing Point parts of their, or Aston Martins, I'll be, parts of their brand spanking new 2021 car. So right. it's all their own work next year. So a kind of a throwaway year. Um, but I mean, what, what do you reckon, Chris? If you, if you were like a Williams, for example, or a Racing Point, would you totally not write off this year, but just have half an eye on 2020, but pretty much full focus on next year? Yeah, it's a really good question because I think there's two ways you can come at it. If you're one of these smaller teams like Williams or Racing Point, you could maybe put even more into this year and potentially get one of your best finishes ever in terms of the championship and podiums, whereas maybe some of the bigger teams will be focusing already on 2021. But I, I honestly kind of would think that it's going to be more of a throwaway year for these smaller teams like Racing Point and, and like Williams, especially if in the first couple races we see that they're not really making the progression that they had hoped. I think they'll probably just bin the 2020 car and just focus all their energy into 2021. And like you mentioned with Aston Martin, a Racing Point turning into Aston Martin, they've got a whole other side of things off track that they're going to have to deal with heading into 2021 with just the whole rebranding and that whole business process of it be interesting to see. I mean, they were talking about this in chat this morning. It'd be interesting to see just how how far up the grid racing point will be allowed to get with Mercedes' help before Mercedes cut that help away. Because um, they're not going to want Aston Martin beating them to titles 
uh, in the future, are they? So uh, that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on. I suppose that's been an argument for a long time. I think Sauber, we had this with Sauber as well, all this B-team stuff, when they were year-old Ferrari engines and bits of the old Ferrari. So it's not a new argument um, by any means, but I, I think it's a... Uh, it's going to be fascinating. I think it's been really good this morning. Yesterday felt a little bit quiet uh, with testing. Not a huge amount happening. Just people literally out there putting in huge amounts of laps, really. Uh, 200 odd more than this time last year, which was incredible. Whereas this morning, it's like Mercedes and that have woken up and gone, right, now we're going to show you some stuff. You've got Racing Point falling out with Haas and Haas falling out with Racing Point. Um, and it's only the 20th of February. <laughs> we're not even in Australia yet and they're all falling out. So uh, I think we're in for a really good season, especially in that midfield. And it's, I think, all of this, all of these comments been made in the press and whatnot uh, from each of the teams. I do think that's going to set the tone for the season because it's going to be so competitive, sort of fourth place downwards, that they're getting their fighting talking early, Jamie. And I think on track and off track, it's going to be a cracker. I've just got that feeling. And the championship might be one way. Mercedes might bog off with it. But behind that, it could be brilliant. Yeah, definitely. And like the likes of Haas and Racing Point, if if all they have done is taken last year's Mercedes and Ferrari, then that's not going really to get developed that much, I don't feel like. Obviously, they can do, put small things on it, but it's not going to be a massive development because if, if they can find half a second on last, last year's Mercedes, then why couldn't Mercedes find it last year? But uh, the, maybe the development race will be interesting because you kind of expect Renault and McLaren and even like Alfa, uh, Alfa Romeo to like improve more throughout the season. But I do I, I expect Racing Point to sort of head the midfield for most of the, most of it, to be honest. But it'd be very interesting to see how it goes, definitely. Um, but the likes of Perez, I expect to be back to his best almost. He's kind of been hampered by the pace of the car a little bit in the last few years. But what we saw in like 2016, 2017 with him heading that midfield and really annoying the uh, the back of the front almost, then I kind of expect him to be back there this season if the car can uh, can do that. i tell you what, that is a really good point on development through the season that I genuinely not even considered. Because is that why they've bought so much of the Mercedes stuff that they know that that car in theory with the power unit and if the drivers can can turn up and perform could well be top end of that midfield without doing anything to it so they've got the car probably for the season so they can focus on 2021 completely from a development side of things yeah and with with it being such a small team as well like you don't want to have like half and half focus on this year and on next year so if they can just have a, a stock car that they just use throughout the whole season that'll really help them towards 2021 I feel like You've got me thinking, Jamie. Don't ever get me thinking. That is not safe. <laughs> They're just showing replays of it now on um, on Sky Sports. Um, they're going really in depth with. You don't. They're putting little things on to show you how far he's pulling. You can see how far he's pulling it back. It's not a subtle thing. Um, it's. I should be listening. Really, it's great. It's, I, this is the thing. <laughs> I do these things and they're like explaining it really well and I'm going, I don't know how it works. It's like, well, Will Books has just explained it twice. So like, <laughs> I'm trying to do a live stream. But yeah, so it's not even a subtle thing. I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. Great. It's great to see innovation in F1, especially with the, the technical regs being so so tight. But I'm sure we'll get loads of questions about the old Merc um, over the course of this stream. So we'll, we'll leave it on Mercedes now. But they dominated the first stream and we'll talk about them a little bit later. But um I think we need to talk about some other teams. Somebody asked about Ferrari. Um, I don't really know what to say about Ferrari. They're not saying a huge amount, and their pace is kind of just... 
it's not much at all. 118.3 from Leclerc this morning. Vettel are 118.6. They're doing, you know, 49 laps for Leclerc isn't anything special when you consider Hamilton did 106. I know Leclerc lost part of the final, the final few minutes of the session, about half an hour probably. Um, they're not flying around. So I think if, if any team are sandbagging at the moment, I would say, Chris, that it's probably Ferrari. But I've just not really seen, unless you've read something, I've not seen anything particularly special from them and I've not really seen much in the way of, of quotes or anything. Very quiet. Yeah, and I think that's how it's going to stay. It seems like they're really kind of approaching this preseason testing different from last year, whereas last year they might have been a little bit too confident. But just reading some things on day one from yesterday, they were running really low engine modes and high fuel loads all day. So obviously we don't really read much into lap times anyways, but I think Ferrari are kind of going with a different program uh, this time around, maybe testing more reliability. And you also have to remember that they are bringing a major update supposedly in Australia. So... I think they're going to try and tr fly under the radar as much as possible and hope to surprise everybody come the first race in Melbourne. Just a sign of confidence almost, maybe, or content. Yeah, I mean, maybe they know something that we don't and they're just quietly confident, or maybe they're already knowing that it's going to be another difficult season with what they've seen so far with their own car and with Mercedes now with this new whole DAS system. But I know, I know reading in the preseason, you hear things from Italian media that, you know, there weren't a lot of whole positives coming out of the Ferrari camp, but you never know who you can believe. So, yeah, Ferrari, it's always tough to know, but they've been extremely quiet so far. But I think that might be a calculated move for them. I think it's, it's obviously lap times in testing are, are entirely irrelevant. Um, as we right. found out last year. But I think it's the the number of laps they've done today. I know they did quite a few yesterday, but like I say, Leclerc 49 this morning, Vettel 11 this afternoon. Um, no, no, we're not even an hour in yet, but Hamilton did 106 this morning uh, and Bottas has done 15 already this afternoon. So obviously they've got a new system to test, <laughs> which could be why they're <laughs> out there quite so much. Uh, but I'm just surprised we're not seeing more of them on track. Whereas then you look at Williams, for example, they're really pumping the laps in. Russell up on 71, um, over 100 yesterday for them, which is incredible when you think of where they were 12 months ago. I just, I expected to see more from Ferrari, but it's also, is there an argument, I guess, Jamie, for maybe Ferrari don't, you know, Williams are putting his laps in, but Ferrari don't need to put those laps in because they had a relatively decent car last year, whereas Williams need every second on track they can get. Yeah, and also with Ferrari, maybe they're learning from their mistakes a little bit. Like, obviously, last year, they went out, smashed testing. They, they got the, the testing championship for, like, the third year in a row uh, and then <laughs> completely fell off or, like, it, it just didn't have didn't live up to the promise at all. And the the car was nowhere when you got to Australia. They finished, like, a minute off Bottas, I feel, I think. So maybe they're from that. They don't want to go all out in testing. But the likes of Williams, like, obviously, their car is also development of last year, but last year's car was horrific. So they want to get as much time as possible. And with Latifi being a rookie as well, he'll want to get as many laps as possible just to build up that experience. And Russell's also only in his second year, and it's probably his, hopefully his first year driving a semi-decent car. So he'll want to get as much time on the board as possible as well. But with Ferrari, they, they know their car's good. Uh, it's got a good base, baseline. So they're not desperate for all the mileage they can get, but obviously the more the better, really. I've not seen any um, speed trap information yet. Um, there was some earlier on. I think Kimi Raikkonen topped it this morning, but I'm not sure. I didn't can't remember the rest of the 
I'm just wondering if how Ferrari are performing in there, because obviously last year their straight line speed raised a few eyebrows. Um, then it got deemed apparently legal, but then there were some question marks over it and loopholes were closed off for this year and suddenly it got slower again. Uh, I'm not insinuating anything for a second. <laughs> it's suspicious. So I'm just wondering how they were doing a straight line, but I suppose if Raikkonen's topping it, less drag as well, maybe pretty tasty. Enough. I mean, the Ferrari's always pretty good in a straight line, but... Um, I'm intrigued by them this year. And how yeah, much of the food was... from this morning, Leclerc was actually bottom hurt by like 14 kilometers an hour, but that oh, seems wow. like they were just doing long run pace, definitely. Because there's no way they're that slow in a straight. You'd, you'd, you'd hope not from Ferrari's point of view. It's about all they had last year at times, but I think they'll be an intriguing team this season. Then they're going to be going for the title. I know Leclerc's been talking about being happy to wait until 2021 for the title, which, again, raised a few eyebrows, made people think, oh, hang on a minute, maybe these stories about the car being terrible are true. Um, but I think they'll be in the title hunt this year. But I'm, I think they've got to be at least second. I mean, you, if Ferrari end up third this year, it's it's a disaster. It sounds so silly, doesn't it? Third in the championship for a team is a disaster. But for Ferrari, they, they can't be third. They've got to be challenging Mercedes this year. It's, it's the final year of the of this era of F1. We're going into 2021. That they've got to put up a fight. We, we, you know, 2017, first half of the season, they're in it. It all falls away. Same in 2018, 2019. They're rubbish at the start, really. Let's be honest. And then they really pick up in the second half. They've just got to put those two halves together. <laughs> it sounds so easy, doesn't it? On yeah. paper. Come on, Ferrari. That's my advice. All you need to do is put your two halves together. Yeah. You might be able to challenge. I, I, I just, I just want a three-way team fight at the front. That's all I want, and then a great midfield fight. Yeah, I think that's a, a consensus among all the fans. Yes. Even if Mercedes were to win the seventh one, but if it comes down to the final race in Abu Dhabi and there's three, four drivers going for it, we, we just want the close championship. We haven't had one in a couple of years, but I would almost make the argument that even if Ferrari finished second, it would still be a disappointment. I mean, it's been since 2008, they haven't won a championship. I believe they were constructors champions in, in 2008, haven't won a driver's championship, obviously, since 2007. And like you mentioned, they've been so close the last couple of years. 2018 arguably had the best car on the grid. And they still blew it. So they've been disappointing their fans year after year after year. So if you're a Ferrari fan, you've you got to kind of wonder, if it's not this year, then how long are you going to have to wait before you get to be able to, to fight and win world championships again? It's, it's been quite a long time for them. It has. I mean, they came out of that era, didn't they? 2000 to 2000. Well, I mean, 99, if you include the Constructors' title. Uh, 99 to two, the end of 2004 with all those titles and then 2005 a rough old year 2006 right. back in the hunt with with Schumacher then they win it with Raikkonen so that that's kind of like this era where Ferrari are constantly fighting for titles and then it goes it goes quite yeah they nearly did it in 2008 with Massa for the driver's title but you know 2009 was a disaster 2010 they really should have won it in 2010 apart from that awful strategy call in Abu Dhabi something's going to change but yeah <laughs> like 2010 was a bit like very close but then they messed it up themselves 2012 Alonso drove out of his skin and still almost won it but not quite the car wasn't really there that season and since then the car's never really been there 2017 you might be able to argue that it could have been but for all the mistakes that Vettel made but I don't think it was I think second half of the season especially Mercedes sort of had the edge on them in 2017 but then since then obviously we know what's happened nothing really close enough to challenge for the title you know, when you think about it, just you saying there, should have won 2010 if Bruno Senna had hit Sebastian Vettel in the right way, would yeah. have won in 2012. 
they were in the fight in 17 and 18. So the, the, the opportunities have been there. But I think the problem for them is that Mercedes are just, like you said, Chris, just such, such a well-oiled machine. Everything just, everybody's pulling in the same direction. And that is the difference between Mercedes and Ferrari. And they're able to come up with these nice new ideas and build a really good car. And they've got possible probably oh here we go probably the best driver on the grid waiting for it chat don't you dare um but yeah probably <laughs> the best driver on the grid so that they are the the team to be always but for ferrari need to get everybody working together and i think Benotto, i think he is doing a better job than arriva bene was in that respect at keeping everybody happier and working better together he just needs to hope his drivers don't come to blows too much in that team this year but um, i think I'm, I'm positive for them. But there's always that... I don't know about you guys. I know chat will be the same. But there's always that little air of uncertainty at which Ferrari you're going to get uh, before a season. The last few years, their strategists just haven't bothered um, to do anything right. I mean, you know, when they're on the radio going, we're on plan F and it's lap three, you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> you, you can't be that bad at this, surely. Yeah, and uh, early season yeah. last year when they were just swapping drivers every five laps. For seemingly no reason. Right. Was all that in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and this is the thing with Ferrari is that when Ferrari comes out in races, not only are they battling the likes of Red Bull and Mercedes, they're also racing against themselves at times. Whereas when you look at Mercedes, like you said, they're just a well-oiled machine. And you can't count on Mercedes to beat themselves because it will rarely happen. I mean, Germany 2019 was maybe one of the one instances you can think where they kind of beat themselves and made mistakes. But everywhere else, they're, they're just there every weekend. Even if they're not winning races, they're doing the right things just to score those points and be in the championship. Whereas, yeah, like you guys mentioned, with Ferrari, you're, you're at plan F sometimes. And if you're as confused as the viewer watching at home, I'm sure the drivers are even more confused as to what the team is doing. And they've lost a lot of races just with poor strategy calls. And for a team of that experience, I mean, they've been around since, not day one, because they didn't take part in the first race, uh, but they've been around since the first season. And it's like, they've got all that experience. You just don't expect it. But then, like you say, Germany last year for Mercedes, you didn't expect that from them. And that was an absolute shocker. I mean, I, that that I'm looking forward to in Drive to Survive. That's kind of <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, thank you very much to Ar Armands um, over on paypal for your contribution uh, massively appreciated um do if you do donate through paypal please do pop a little message even if it's just to say hello um it's always good to read that out and i was just thinking jamie actually in, in the lunch break um i got that really generous uh, 100 pound donation from um Aquila. but last year uh, when i was streaming with you we got that 500 pound donation didn't we and yeah it, it i do remember that actually blew my <laughs> bloody mind <laughs> I, I, I just remember you going uh, do you want to deal with that? It's like, uh, yep. Yeah, I'll leave that to you. I've only got 300 subs, so that's your responsibility. <laughs> uh, so, yes, the, re the record is 500. I'm not saying try and beat it. I mean, if you want to, feel free, uh, of course. But, yeah, thank you very much again to Akila for that. And to, I can't remember his name now from last year, who did that. It's been a year. I've slept at least twice since then. So, um, yes, massively appreciate. I think we just had another one through as well. I'll take some comments and questions from chat in a moment rather than just wandering through teams. Um uh, Robert McPhee, I know that name. Bit of a regular. Thank you very much for your contribution as well. And I think we got a question in actually via Super Chat. Uh, no, I didn't want to do that on my phone. Oh, my God, what have I done? Uh, anyway, just put the phone down, Sean. You're streaming. <laughs> Stop looking at things. Um, 
let's have a look at what that one was. I think it was about Pirelli. Uh, yes. Uh, how do tyres work for testing? Do Pirelli just bring 1,000 sets and hope they don't run out? Or do the teams have to tell them in advance about which tyres they want to uh, for each test? I, I thought, genuinely, yesterday it was a free-for-all. I thought Pirelli just bought a ton of tyres and the teams could pick and choose. But apparently... Uh, what was the number yesterday, chat? If you were with me yesterday, was it 20 sets each for testing? Someone's going to tell me in chat. I'm going to wait and make it look like I know everything. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a free-for-all, was what I believed. Um, but I think it was about 20, something like that. Um, so they get they get a number more than a race week. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, so plenty of tyres to run around on. But a lot of them, they, they put a set of tyres on it because it's not about lap times, Chris. It doesn't matter. Does it? They could put a set of hards on and trundle around all day to get all the aero data they need. Right. Yeah, and we didn't see too many teams. Uh, I think Racing Point kind of just did some short stints on the softer tire, but none of the big teams went out with the soft tire yesterday. So we probably won't see that uh, for another couple of days, maybe until the last couple sessions uh, next week. So, yeah, um, just quickly looking at the uh, tire situation, it looks like most of the teams just went out on the hard so far uh, in this afternoon session. So is it uh, 20 sets? Yeah, it is 20 sets that yeah. Uh, they brought. Yeah. So plenty to get through. Um, Roman Grosjean, by, by the way, has gone through 105 laps now. Um, he's he's another one that's been quiet. He's not crashed or anything. Incredible. <laughs> Surprising, um, yeah. <laughs> but he's been he's been quietly getting on with it in 105 laps. Where for some reason on F uh, on the TV we're watching Jolyon Palmer um, doing a lap back in what must be 2017, 16. I don't know. I, I think he was um, behind, so I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> I think I'm the same. I'm still on a Raikkonen on board. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, just, I just, I looked up. I was like, "Oh, Renault have gone yellow." Oh no, that's a completely different car. Uh, but yeah, showing an on board of Julian Palmer for some reason. The steering wheel is only moving left and right. It's not been pulled out uh, and pushed forward. You'll be pleased to know. Yeah, it's 2017. Um, I don't know why we're watching Julian Palmer. This is he. He's become a really big, uh, I, I don't know if you call him YouTube personality or TV personality with Formula One. He's got his own tech analysis uh, series and everything. So he kind of came out of nowhere. He's, it's weird because I didn't, I wasn't keen on him as a driver. Yeah, because he was a rubber. But, but as, as a pundit, he's pundit, quite he's good. good. I'm glad you said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to saying stuff like that. I, I think I think regulars of the channel think I just hate everybody. <laughs> it's like a don't, honestly. Uh, but I just wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> but he's a he's he's a good pundit. He's he's got some good tech analysis, and he's he's a bit like he's a toned down Nico Rosberg. He's not afraid to say what he thinks, but he's also got a bit of something to back it up as well. Um, right. So I like him now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Fernando still... I, I think he still doesn't like him. Yeah, Julian Palmer sat... He's just got, got a flash him. He's got like a bottom button undone. He's flashing his belly. I mean, that's, you don't, we don't need to see this. Come on. Let's, it's, it's nice to look at the commentary box and say, you know, cool faces to names and whatnot, but we want to see what's going on on track. Never mind. Um, yeah, I, I also I said this morning, loving having Alex Jakes as well in the commentary. He's a great commentator, and I think he'll yeah. make it to F1 at some point. Get Davide in there for testing. Really, really get people <laughs> excited for it. Great. Um, I mean, tyre-wise, out on track at the moment. Uh, Perez is on the C2, which is a hard tyre. Um, 
Ricardo isn't obviously out at the moment. Albon last went out on the C2. Gazi's out there on the C3, if this is correct. Uh, Raikkonen's on the C3. Uh, Norris on the C2. He's getting some laps in now. He's a bit quiet this morning. 85 now. Uh, so that's good news. Good for McLaren. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll put it to you guys. I've been asking everybody when they come on. Uh, we'll go to Jamie first, put you right on the spot. Have you got a, have you got a favourite livery so far out of the new cars? I know some haven't changed much at all, but uh, some look pretty nice. Uh, I actually like the new McLaren quite a bit. Obviously, it's not changed dramatically, but I, I do like it quite a bit. I'm, I'm, I like the AlphaTauri. I feel like it's a little bit People are just very excited about it because it's new, but it's, it'll get old pretty quickly. I feel like it's just black and white at the end of the day. But I, I'd like the new McLaren quite a lot. What about you, Chris? What do you reckon? Favourite livery thus far? They might change again yet. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, seriously. Um, for me, it definitely has to be Alpha Tauri. Um, and I agree, partly because it's new and it's something different. But immediately when I saw it, it kind of gave me an old school Williams BMW feel, mm -hmm. uh, especially when I saw the race suits as well. And Ralph Schumacher actually used to be my favorite driver when I was growing up. So that, that was kind of like a nice little throwback. But I'll tell you what, I actually do like the Williams livery. I know uh, a lot of people were making uh, toothpaste uh, references and, <laughs> yeah. and memes out of the car, and I, I definitely see it. But I actually like uh, I, I like their livery. It, it's fresh, uh, no pun intended, and uh, it's it, it's pretty good. So I, I like it. But pretty much all the teams, I, I, I like their liveries, with the exception of Mercedes and Ferrari and kind of Red Bull, because they really didn't change much. So, but uh, yeah, I like all the other teams as well. I've always been a fan of the Red Bull livery, so the fact it's not changed, I, I don't mind, because I, I quite like it. It's distinctive. Um, I think what I like about the Alpha Tori is that even when they changed to that lighter blue and the silver, it was still a Red Bull B car, whereas in terms of the way it looked, uh, just the impression I got from it, whereas although they still are, they've just got a different name, the livery looks completely different to the Red Bull one. Um, so they're going to stand out a bit more as their own team. But I, I just like the fact it's it's clean. It's slick. And you said there about the Williams BMW. It's really weird. I, I don't know why. I think it's the livery and just the shape of the car. One of my favourite cars of all time is the 2000 Williams. And that livery yes. reminds me of that so much. And I love it. Um, but I agree. McLaren, McLaren's got a nice livery. And I, did, I put Williams second on my list of liveries. And that was a, apparently a really unpopular opinion. Um, I think, really? Yeah, I think Annette poked fun at me as well. I think Annette was one of them. A few people in the uh, the comment section to that, because I said it was quite patriotic. They'd gone red, white, and blue. And then some people <laughs> were being serious and some were being Larry, like Annette. And they were sort of going, oh, patriotic to who? Do you know how many countries have red, white, and blue? And it's like, yeah, do you know how many countries Williams are from? One. Uh, <laughs> but, anyway, uh, but yeah, I, I love that Williams livery. And it is fresh. Very good, Chris. I'll give you that. Um, yeah, it is very fresh. I like that a lot. Um, I would like to change my answer, though, because I remember that Alfa Romeo exists. So that would be my favourite overall. I really like that. Uh, movie. It's so good. There's another one. They, John T said it this morning. They've All they've done in that livery is put the Polish sponsor on and then <laughs> stuck the red stripes on instead of the blue uh, and made one of them a bit thicker. But, I mean, I, I've always liked that. Since they've gone to Alfa Romeo, I've always liked the way they go with the sort of, sort of part red and, and white car. I think that looks nice and tidy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Their race suits are absolutely gorgeous this year. I, I thought last year's were, were amazing, but they somehow one-upped it this year. So their their race suits are, are really nice. I think they've got some good-looking cars. And the thing is with Mercedes and Ferrari and Red Bull is apart from a bit of candy apple red, whatever you want to call it, um, on, on the Mercedes, 
not really anything's changed. The Ferrari, apart from the odd venture into a blue and white car or whatever, it's essentially the same livery they've had since the 50s. <laughs> it's just red. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, Bottas going for a spin, just catching that. Uh, the final chicane. I've seen quite a few getting it wrong on the entry to and the exit of the final chicane. Well, not quite the final chicane, to be fair. It's the corner before, um, whatever you want to call that one. But yeah, he's just uh, turning in. And it doesn't matter how many times you pull the steering wheel, you're not stopping that from spinning. Uh, yeah, we've seen Bottas doing that. For anybody who's not seen the footage, by the way, he is he is doing that with the steering wheel as well. Um, it's a fascinating stuff. But spin for Bottas. So that's Max Verstappen had at least two yesterday. Bottas won today. Magnussen nearly stuck it in the wall yesterday afternoon. Uh, Gasly had a moment this morning at turn nine as well. But we've still not had a red flag. What is going on? That's impressive. I feel like it also helps that all of the drivers pretty much are at the same teams, apart from like Ocon and Latifi. And there's nothing really to learn that much about the new cars, barring like Williams, you could argue. But like they're pretty much carrying off where they left off. Like they're not going to be surprised by that much. So there's not really much leeway for mistakes. And it's good that we've got a red flag because otherwise it'd be very difficult to fill the stream for a bit. <laughs> You've kind of also got like um, the cars have been running for a year now. These are just evolutions of last year's cars. So, um, and the racing point is just last year's Mercedes. So they all know <laughs> that they're reliable. Yeah. <laughs> they don't need to push them as much because the data is not going to be as vital this year as it was last year with the regulation changes. But I still think that they're not pushing as hard because they know that they've got two fewer days of testing this year, so they can't afford to lose a session with a car in the wall. So just keep it off the curbs a little bit, take it a bit more easy, and that's maybe why we're not seeing quite so many um, incidents. But I'm pleased, Jamie, that you brought up Esteban Ocon. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> I really am. Um, how are you feeling, mate? Uh, are you missing him, Nico? Uh, I'm over it. I'm, o I'm over it. It's fine. <laughs> He's enjoying his life now, so... Yeah, I hope he comes back. That'd be surprised. I'm not. I'm not too annoyed at Ocon. I'm more annoyed at Alfa Romeo and Haas. They didn't pick him up. But yeah, whatever. We'll move on. <laughs> well, I don't. I give Groge on stick, but I like the guy. I said this yesterday, and I do like K Mag. I think I'm in a minority with that. I do really like K Mag. But if I and, and you know, I think Geo did good in the second half of last year. Um, and Kimmy is Kimmy Raikkonen, but I, I'd still... When Renault made their decision that Hulkenberg wasn't staying on, and I looked at that Haas lineup, I just thought, he sits very nicely there, does Hulkenberg. Yeah, completely. Be perfect. And also, what, like after the Haas announced there, it's quite early, I was thinking, like, realistically, Giovinazzi is never going to get in the Ferrari. He's 26 already. Like, that seat, obviously, is Ferrari's seat. They have first refusal on it. But Kimmy is most likely going to leave at the end of the season. They put Hulkenberg in for Giovinazzi now, then Hulkenberg learns the team for a year, then 2021, they stick in whoever, Schumacher or Schwarzman or Armstrong, whoever they want to pick in, stick in. And he's got someone who knows the team, experienced driver, still got a few years left in him to learn from. And then their rookie Ferrari driver has an experienced driver to learn from, while the experienced driver already knows the team. Because whoever they replace Kimi with is obviously going to have to learn the team himself. Uh, and then, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a mess if they have to change both drivers next year. But we'll wait and see. I think I, I get their argument of continuity. I think the, yeah, the problems they had, it made sense to like stick with Magnussen and Grosjean for continuity. But you also want experience. And I, I still think as well, and I do this with some of my videos. Um, when I did my point swap, I was quite happy with it. But I sent it to, to Jonty to watch because I was like, I just think sometimes a fresh pair of eyes 
can help see problems and mistakes that maybe others aren't. So Grosjean and Magnussen have been there for a while. Hulkenberg might have got in that car and gone, well, your problem's that. And they go, oh, how did we not see that? And then all of a yeah. sudden you've solved one of your problems. And he's uh, been and with a, a bigger team, effectively. Renault are a bigger yeah. team than Haas. And you, you saw it with, um, with Ricardo when he came from Red Bull to Renault. He was like, we did this at Red Bull, you should do that here. Like, if someone from Renault goes into Haas and says, like, you're not doing this right, that can help improve the team. And obviously, like, also, they say we want continuity, like, Grosjean could tell us what the problems are. If he has been doing that, why he still got all the problems now? Like, he's obviously not been doing a great job. So, I don't know. <laughs> it's t- I mean, look, I... I can rant about it all day, so... <laughs> <laughs> I think, even as a big Hulkenberg fan, though, I think even surely you'd admit that it's not like he hasn't had the opportunities. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, like... Um... I'll admit his season last year was not fantastic. I think he finished like 13th in the championship or something. Obviously, luck helped uh, or bad luck helped quite a bit. But obviously, the, there were quite a lot of times when he was like on for a, a good result and then did put it in, in the wall himself. But the likes of Singapore 2017 still hurt quite a lot for me. But yeah, and Brazil 2012, of course. But we'll, we'll move on. It's what could have been. But I'm sure I'll have a nice time now. <laughs> I, d- I did think about you when he stuck it in the wall in Germany. Yeah, I was... I could, couldn't move on for about two weeks after that. <laughs> I, th- I think there was a, I, I could almost hear a collective no from the F1 fan base when that camera just flicked to Hulkenberg. You're like, no. And desperately trying to get it out the wall. It was, it was very heartbreaking. <laughs> it's like, no, man. Oh, that was your opportunity. And like things like Brazil 2012 when he, he was leading and could have won that race or at least been on the podium. I don't hold that against him quite so much. That's that's only really his second full season in F1. He was still young at that point. Mistakes happen. He'd not led an F1 race before. Um, the pressure's there. But when you get to that experience in that situation, then at the same, oh, I don't know. At the same time, though, Chris, to be fair to Nico, everybody was going off track in, in Germany. Even Hamilton hit that wall, managed to keep going. So, I mean, it was a lottery that day. Yeah, I think that was a missed opportunity, but I would agree. I think something more like Singapore 2017, which was just bad luck, was kind of the story of his career. Yeah, Brazil, you know, 2012, he was still young at that time. So a lot of missed opportunities, but I also was pretty surprised that Haas kept Roman Grosjean. I really thought that they were going to replace him at the end of this year. And I was most concerned for Gunter Steiner's health after they reannounced uh, Roman Grosjean for another season. I mean, the amount, I can't wait to see him in Netflix this year and the reactions that he's going to have. <laughs> I know I know Grosjean didn't have as many mistakes last year as he did uh, in 2018, but um, I, I honestly can say I was quite surprised when they re-signed him. But I, I guess that they couldn't necessarily afford the, the contract that Nico Hulkenberg wanted, so they just stuck with the same lineup. I think the drive to survive is going to be great. And the one I'm really looking forward to um, is Silverstone. Because, really? yeah, because Gunther Steiner's reaction to that with those two colliding, <laughs> if you think of how he was last year with them two not colliding, just falling out, um, it's going to be pretty epic. I mean, Germany's going to be a great episode. Um, the Williams episode will be really good. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, and I, I think, yeah, I, I think. I mean, it, it's the, the problem is, my worry with this is, as much as we love Gunther Steiner, Drive to Survive is just going to become the Gunther Steiner show. They should make the Gunther Steiner show. Oh, my God. Yeah. He should have <laughs> his own podcast. Forget a friend's reunion. <laughs> That's what we want. The Gunther Steiner show. Uh, it could be a sitcom. I don't mind. I'm not bothered. Uh, but, yeah, I think that'd be brilliant. 
I'd be or his own chat show. Yeah, that would be good. Oh, if only Netflix watched these things. Um, I may have to write <laughs> write a letter like the old days. I don't know why I'd write a letter, but let, let's move on quick before I expose my age again. Um, Alex Alban out on track at the moment. Uh, we'll do a rundown of the times, actually. We're 20 past two. Sat here waffling about Hulkenberg and Netflix and Gunther Steiner. Uh, two hours and 42 minutes to go. Uh, Perez, I don't think these times are going to change too much um, from this morning. So Perez still fastest from this morning. 17.3, laps now. Uh, Ricardo 17.7, 41 laps. Alban 18.162 laps. Gazi and 18.1 as well on 92 laps. 77 laps now uh, for Sergio Perez, Alban, nice and wide, um, out of turn nine there. Uh, Russell, 118.2, 71 laps. Uh, Charles Leclerc, 118.3, 49 laps. 106 for Hamilton this morning on a 118.3. Vettel's already done 20 laps, so he's getting out there for Ferrari, uh, taking their total to <laughs> 69. Uh, Grosjean, 118.4, 107 laps. Raikkonen, 118.5, 87 laps. Uh, Norris, 118.5 as well, 93 laps. Ocon, 118.7, 11 laps. And Bottas, 23 laps on a 21.2. So Mercedes are through 100. Um, I'd like to think Vettel can do enough this afternoon to take Ferrari through 100. Hassa through 100. Um, Kimmy's 13 off doing that. Norris only needs another six to hit 100. Um, Williams, Russell's still in the pits, concerningly. 71 laps. Not been out yet from what I can see. Um, you'd think that if everything's okay, he should get through 100. Red Bull, maybe a tall order for Albon. Maybe not. 63, still all afternoon to go. And Ricardo did 41 and whatever Ocon's done, so 52. So we might get most teams through 100 laps again today. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it yesterday, to be honest, Chris, that we saw every team put 100 laps plus on the board. That was such a surprise. Yeah, it was, it was a really efficient day yesterday. I mean, typically, especially on the first day of testing, you either get a car that breaks down or a team that has problems. But even Ferrari, they spent quite a bit of time adjusting the rear suspension, and they still got out and got over 100 laps. So, yeah, really efficient from, from all the teams. And, it, you know, personally, it was great to see Williams yesterday come out on track first, put in all those laps, and, and kind of put the, the last season behind them. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed for, with all these teams and be able to do continuous running. And, and it's great for us as well because we get to see action on the track. Uh Kimoa asked me to re uh, to refresh Streamlabs. I'm glad I did. Thank you very much for your contribution, mate. And I think you sent me one yesterday as well, so thank you for that too. Uh, so I just realised that the Renault has teamed up with Nimbus Racing Broom Company from Harry Potter. That is why the RS20's <laughs> nose looks like a Nimbus 2001. <laughs> very good. <laughs> I love the Harry Potter reference. Um, I'm a sad old man. I love Harry Potter. Um, the TV that might have been TV. faster than last year's car. Film. That, well, to be fair, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a good year for Renault at all, was it? I mean, Jamie touching there on a poor year for Hulkenberg, but a team that were on about challenging for podiums at one point. I mean, come on. They were nowhere near, were they? I mean, all right, yeah. You could argue Germany, but Fiat was there. Stroll led the race briefly. Um, I think the only yeah. good races really were Canada and Monza. Like, very good races. You could argue Bahrain until <laughs> two laps from the end. But yeah, uh, Renault need to pick themselves up, like, Usually, they were barely in Q3 for the most part of the season. And then when it sort of all came together towards like mid-end of the season, then people realized that they were cheating. So it, was, it wasn't brilliant. So, yeah, hopefully they do better. Um, although if they come out and have like the third fastest car, I'll be slightly annoyed. But that's just my own personal view. <laughs> so the, the thing is, though, 
like people poke fun, don't they? This whole these claims of a thousand horsepower, and I know that the the lack of drag on that car is going to be a contributing factor as well. But the fact they were quick and had good weekends at Monza and at Canada tells you there is some power in there. Yeah. And if they can get the chassis right, which I think is why McLaren did so well last year as well, because they did get the chassis pretty right. If Renault can do that, they should be up there. Yeah, and we saw Monza as well. They pretty much outpaced Red Bull like all weekend. They finished fourth and fifth ahead of both the Red Bull cars, and obviously Vettel had his issues. So if they can just sort out a good car other than the engine, then they, they're in a good place. But we'll have to wait and see if they can do that. You'd hope that they can't. I mean, they can't be beaten by. If they get beaten by Racing Point, who have bought most of their car from Mercedes, let's say Haas get their tire issues right and they beat Red, and McLaren beat them as well, a customer. I mean, that would be. That's like P7 in the championship. Then that's outrageous. To that's that, disastrous. <laughs> they, they should be. They should be fourth every. Like, no offense to McLaren in that, but they are. I know McLaren are a sort of a proper constructor, aren't they? But I mean, as a as a manufacturer, a team that or a manufacturer that were pushing for these 2014 changes to make the cars more road relevant and all that, um, they sh- with their resources, they should be topping that midfield every season, but they're just not. And they're frustrating. And I can't... How frustrated must Ricardo be leaving Red Bull? Obviously, the Verstappen effect there, I think he realised that he was not going to be number one. And if he wanted to be number one, he'd have to move on. But, you know, Honda are coming in. He's got his doubts about that. He goes to Renault thinking, hey, I, at least I know the Renault power unit. Honda smash it and Renault are nowhere. He must be fuming. Yeah, you'd imagine so. And obviously, people like seem to think that he's suddenly a bad driver just because the car is nowhere near good enough, which I th- I still think Ricardo is like top four drivers on the grid, I would put him. Uh, yeah, like he, the Renault really just sort themselves out. Obviously, Ricardo had nothing much to lose because he was never really going to win a title with Verstappen as his teammate. So realistically, once you had plenty of wins and podiums, coming fifth and sixth every week isn't much difference to coming like 10th and 11th each week, really. So... I'm, I'm sure he's getting a healthy paycheck as well, to be fair. So uh, he's probably quite Absolutely. happy with that. Do we know what his salary was? I know there's rumours. It was third highest, I think, on the grid. Maybe fourth behind Verstappen as well, but I can't remember. It was very high, though. I think it was like close to 30 million euros a year. Wow. <laughs> I remember the, um, <laughs> the, uh, the Drive to Survive episode where it was like, they announced the Renault announced him. You remember Christian Horner saying, "Like, have you got enough money to develop your car after what you're paying on your driver?" <laughs> so maybe that yeah. was true. They didn't have any money to, for the car last, last year. <laughs> I, I don't buy into that about Ricardo. I think uh, Ben from Late Breaking was on one of these last year, and he he said recency bias is a big problem in F1. Um, so Ricardo has a bad season. Suddenly he's crap in a lot of people's eyes, and then like um, Bottas 2.0 rocks up and he's the best driver in the world. But actually, people forget that 2018, he had a really poor year, um, given mm-hmm. that he's driving the best car on the grid. So I think, you know, the whole Vettel thing, he's had a rough couple of years, but he was competitive in 17 and 18. He, he was probably the, the closest challenger outside of a Mercedes to Lewis Hamilton. I mean, he, he was, wasn't he? He was second in the championship. So yeah, he's yeah. still got it. But because uh, he hasn't won a title since 2013, he's had a rough few years. People are like, oh, he's terrible. It's like, he's not terrible. I said it yesterday. Seb's still got something to give. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, I think that F1 fans kind of have short memories at, at times. And as soon as a driver has a bad race, he's the worst driver ever and a team should replace him. But like going back to Ricardo, yeah, I agree. I think he's 
a world-class driver, one of the best on the grid. I mean, we don't have to think back too far. If you remember China 2018, the moves that he pulled off, obviously at Monaco. And yeah, I think Vettel as well. I think that he's going to hopefully have a bounce back season, but he's still, I mean, world championship material. He's still got all the skills. And if Ferrari have adjusted their car to fit more of Vettel's driving style, I think we're going to really see the old Vettel come through um, because it seems like that's really been his problem the last couple of years. But guys like Vettel, guys like Ricardo, even though they have struggled maybe a little bit as of late, they're still top four on the grid, no question. Yeah, well, 100%. Um, uh, Nicholas in chat is saying, Sean, have you seen the Mark Parisi video discussion? say this steering car I haven't mate I haven't had opportunity to um first of all I didn't know he had um I'm doing these as well so I'm, I'm not going to go off and abandon you all to watch a video <laughs> it is tempting though because I really want to know uh, what's going on with that steering but I will put it on my list for tonight if I've got a couple of things I want to watch tonight that people have recommended uh, and a channel to check out as well so I'll do that tonight after the streams um because I talk about F1 all day and then I still manage to find time to watch stuff about F1 as well it's all I've got it's all I've got uh, but I think on the F1 fan base, I do want to say before I go and get some comments from chat. Um, obviously, I spend a lot of time on social media. I see you about on Twitter, Jamie. Uh, I'm yeah, sure I you do as well, Chris. I think we have to as well, because I find this with my... I did a Lewis Hamilton video a couple of years ago, Why Is He So Hated? And I got sucked into that everybody seems to hate Lewis Hamilton. But that was a snapshot of Twitter. Um, and I would, I might even go and pin a comment on there actually to say that, that at the time I felt like that was the case. Whereas I think we have to remember that my comment sections, for example, and or our comment sections as YouTubers, and um, what the the people are saying on Twitter is not the general consensus of the F1 fan base. That is the the vocal minority, and actually there are millions of people across the world watching this sport who probably have no issue whatsoever with Lewis Hamilton or or still think Vettel is a great driver. They just don't go out and tell people that because they don't need to. Uh, they don't feel they right. need to. So it's, it's sometimes I feel as a creator, I have to try and remember that Twitter is not the source of knowledge and information that people <laughs> seem to think it yeah. is or people seem to think they are. Uh, that's not the general consensus. Though. Like not only F1, you see it with any sport. Like oh, yeah, it's not sort of it with the election as well. Not to get into that, but like you see any <laughs> anything that people have opinions on, the opinions are massively blown out of the water on Twitter. Like blown up to beyond what they should be, and you can find yourself drawing like thinking that Twitter's the mass opinion, but it's just not at all. No. Twitter should have a login at your own risk prompt <laughs> before you get into it. And uh, yeah, it's I, I, I've been noticing it too, you know, just uh, I, I got my own personal Twitter account and then obviously our, our channel Twitter account. And yeah, you just see sometimes the, the tweets and stuff and you go, oh boy, you know, I'm just going to keep scrolling there because I don't want to dive into what else this person has to think. But I mean, the majority of the F1 community is pretty positive, like just reading some of the comments uh, on this chat and some of the comments that we get on our channel as well. Like most people are either positive or have really good opinions, but it's always the ones that are negative that are going to bother you and that get the most attention. So it's just the best sometimes to ignore those people. But I really do enjoy interacting with the F1 fans and just differing opinions. And sometimes they'll open your eyes to an opinion that maybe you didn't even think of, but you read the comment and you go, Oh, you know, I didn't think of that, but thanks for the comment. That was actually really knowledgeable. So yeah, you too, too much negativity on, on Twitter though. I, I try yeah. and limit the time on there. <laughs> uh, Kimi Raikkonen having a spin, same place as Bottas did coming out of that corner before the final chicane. But yeah, yeah Twitter, Twitter's 
a really depressing place sometimes, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. um, it really is. But I, do you know, actually from a YouTube perspective, before I will come to chat, don't worry, but the comments that are the most annoying for me uh, or, or the most frustrating in some ways, are like somebody will make a really brilliant point and, and you'll go, wow, that is really well worded. You, you, I, re- I completely genuinely agree. I think that's a great point of view. Let's have a chat about it. But they either start with a message with or end it with, but you're a dickhead. And you're like, well, I'm not going to talk to you now. I'm like, you just put a really great comment out, but you've, you've, you've insulted me kicking it off. And it's like, I'm just not even going to talk to you now. Uh, but thank right. you for the comment. Uh, they frustrate the life out of me. At least let me read it and then call me one. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, <laughs> it's not good. Well, we just had it. We just had it recently too uh, on our channel. Like we were lucky enough to get an interview with Nicholas Latifi a couple of weeks ago, just before the preseason started, and we had a great chat with him. He said a lot of interesting things, but the comments that we were getting are all like pay driver comments, and people are talking more about his sponsors and his money than they are about him as a driver and, and the the things that he said. And I mean, we were just laughing about it with me and my co-host because it's just like. Man, I mean, you know, some people, it's, it's, that's just more important to always hate on somebody and hate on somebody instead of appreciate their skill or, or their talent in a driver like Latifi or something else. So, yeah, it, it's just funny, man. People are, people are sometimes really hilarious. Not in a good way, though. No. <laughs> oh, no. Um, if you've not seen the Latifi interview, actually, uh, definitely go check it out. Links to uh, Jamie's channel and to the uh, F1 Back Marcus show uh, is down below. So I, I keep having to pause before I say your channel, Chris, because like, next Thursday I've got the <laughs> debate show on and I, I keep getting them muddled up when I'm trying to say this. It's like, the Batmarks F1 show. <laughs> yeah, we we're trying to get to a, a point where the brand will just shorten the acronym and just call it the TBMF1 show. That's what we're trying to uh, go for because it is a little bit of a handful. So, <laughs> But I appreciate that. It's, it genuinely is a good podcast. I remember um, I... I I think I'm subscribed to you in my personal account. I, mean, I don't subscribe to anything with my F1 Word account. Um, but I, I have with my personal account, so I always keep an eye out. And the Latifi interview was really good. Um, and I enjoyed that. So um, good banter, good fun, um, and knowledgeable as well. So definitely worth checking out. And, and Jamie's awesome too. <laughs> you are, <laughs> Thank I you. Yeah. What to say. A lot of gaming stuff on there. But actually, I'll tell you what, actually, Jamie, before I do my super chats and that, I'm going to put this to you. Me and Johnson this morning were discussing F1 2019. And... We both agree that either you are, because of the way it handles, I, I play on a pad and he does as well, but because of the way it handles and the way the game works with the AI, you're either insanely brilliant and you dominate everything or you're absolute trash when it comes uh, to career mode. <laughs> I don't know if that's honest, I, I have played no career mode this year at all. <laughs> so yeah, I've, I've, I only do online and I've got a wheel, so I can't really compare how the pad plays, but online it's i enjoy it a lot it's it could be better i feel like there's quite a few issues with the um like the way that races tend to go online especially like when the when the grid is so close it just sort of goes into like slipstream chains and not really goes for any interesting moves so it can get a little bit boring but i do league racing for fun so it's it's all right i do enjoy it and i'm looking forward to the next game coming out especially hopefully it'll be a little better but yeah go and check out my channel if you want to see league racing done quite badly then yeah there's plenty of videos over there for you to watch <laughs> I'm going to go subscribe right now. Oh, what a legend. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and, and can I... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut You're you right. off. I just wanted to say a, a shout-out to to the F1 word as well and, and the F1 community. I know you reached out to me in the very beginning when we started our channel, and I just think that it's great when we can all kind of come together and help each other out and, 
you know, one of us comes on the other show and another goes on the other one. And we just all kind of come together as a community. And instead of all the, the hate that we see on the Twitter and the YouTube comments, I just think that's a great thing because at the end of the day, we all just love formula one and that's why we're doing this. So let's just have a good time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. That's, I needed that. Actually, I got a, I, somebody got in touch the other day to tell me that, um, I need to do more for the, the F1 YouTube community. I was like, more? <laughs> I think you do quite enough. <laughs> um, I, I, I go back if you want. I go back and list some guests. We had Chaz on. Was that was one of the first. We had Ryan Littlemore, um, Ryan L83, um, Alex Zafro, um, Chamber. I think it's said Stewart, uh, Dan Aldas. Obviously Chris and Jamie today. Uh, we got Jess on tomorrow. Who else? I had loads on. Ellie was on. I think she came onto a stream once as well. Um, <laughs> Arif. Just forget Arif casually there. Why not? Um, he's been on. So yeah, loads of people. I like. It's not like it's not a promotion thing. I don't do it for any gain. I do it because I'm like like you say, Chris. I just love sitting down and talk about F1. And if I can get others involved, uh, then I will do. So I don't, I don't care if somebody's got one subscriber or a million subscribers. Let's. You love F1. I love F1. Let's talk crap for three and a half hours. I'm quite happy with that. Uh, but yes, uh, thank you very much for your contributions, uh, Dan the Indoor Man. Thank you for becoming a channel member. Um, and for becoming about the sixth person to remind me, I need to do something for memberships. Um, and I've been said, I seem to think I said this last year as well. Uh, I've done nothing in terms of, I will, I will try and do it before the start of the season uh, for emotes and whatnot. So thank you very much, uh, Dan, for becoming a member and for your contributions. Um, an earlier one at 1.48 p.m. Uh, what, what the hell uh, is going on with Ferrari? Williams seem faster. Uh, and give me a bloody wrench. Uh, LMAO uh, from Danny and Dorman as well. Uh, I will get you a, a thingy sorted, I promise. Um, and also to Justin, uh, thank you for yours. Says Groge on 110 laps without a crash. Is this a record? <laughs> <laughs> Dan's not here. We have to be not, We can be nice to Groge on today. It's fine. Uh, we'll wind him up next week. But yeah, um, I don't think anything's going on with Ferrari. We kind of touched on it earlier, didn't we? I think it is just testing. And I, I don't think we're seeing their true pace at all. Um, I'm just watching now Bottas on the straight for this steering wheel. Um, every time I see a Mercedes on board, I'm like, oh, is he going to do it? Does it kind of remind you a little bit of the the Williams in the 90s that had the whole suspension that was computerized and everything that got banned the very next year? Oh, the, oh, the active suspension. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh, to be honest, like Jonty said this morning, it actually reminds me more about the the, the extra pedal that they had on the McLaren in 98. Mm. Um, it reminds me more of that. Um, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm just reading up on the F1 page now and I've got some videos which I will definitely watch tonight and talk about it more tomorrow because people are like, how does it work? I don't think anybody knows yet. I don't think uh, Ferrari are going to say too much, but this is from Mark Hughes uh, on official F1. Um, says, if the Mercedes mechanism works as assumed, uh, the tyres will be heated more evenly across their width as they run fully upright, but the benefits of toe out can still be deployed into the corner. It will be of particular benefit on circuits with long straights. It appears to be a fully mechanical device, likely using the column movement to activate a lever acting upon the wheel hubs. It will add a whole new dimension to the tools available to the driver in trimming the balance of the car and looking after the tyres totally read every bit of that um i have no idea what any of that means but um i think it was also i read on twitter it's it's about it's keeping heat in the tires as well um but the, i've got to be honest there are so many good people with technical knowledge craig scarborough's 
fantastic, for example. Uh, Mark Hughes and all of these great people. Gary Anderson. But all of them seem to have a slightly different take on it. They all seem to converge around the same area, but they're different takes. And it's one of those things that I kind of feel we're not going to know for sure about until probably the midpoint of the season when somebody else works out how to do it. Uh, but it is completely legal, apparently. Uh, it's been cleared by the FIA, so nothing there. And now it's up to Ferrari, Red Bull and whatnot to, as to what they want to do. Do they want to rise to the technical challenge, as Ron Dennis said back in 98 when Ferrari protested uh, that third pedal, or do they want to kick off and try and get it banned? Good I imagine they'll probably try and do a bit of both, to be honest. Yeah. They'll uh, <laughs> develop it as soon as they can, but while they're developing, also like try and get it banned. It'll probably be the best for them if it uh, if it gets outlawed. But I, I don't think it will do if the FAA have already said it's allowed. But yeah, it'll be depending if safety, I imagine, will be the main problem. If uh, if one of the teams develops something, they'll have to take hand off the wheel or both hands off the wheel. We saw sometimes back in like 2010. So yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see what they do about it. But it'll be illegal for the first few races at least, which will probably lead to a Mercedes whitewash, but we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> Uh, uh, I've just, I just think I'll get some pictures in a minute from uh, GP today when that updates. Um, but I wonder how bothered teams are going to be about copying it because I can see it being one of those things, kind of as we've already said, that gets banned for 2021. So I could see that disappearing now that it's obvious what it is and what it's doing um, once they get all the information. But if that gets banned for 2021 and it takes six months for teams to copy that, are teams going to bother putting the resources into that if it's going to be banned in 2021 and they're busy focusing on these big regulation changes? I mean, for, I would say Ferrari and Red Bull, yes. But are McLaren, Racing Point, going to waste their resources on that for what could Probably be a not. marginal you'd, game? You'd assume, <laughs> you assume they'll just bin it off and focus on the 2021, obviously, those midfield teams aren't really going to be battling Mercedes anyway. So, yeah, there's not really much point unless they're desperate to get a, a, an advantage on their rivals. But you can't expect them to focus and wait on 2021 if it's definitely going to get banned. That I, I suppose it's like, it depends on Mercedes' advantage. Like I say, if they rock up to Australia comfortably quicker and dominate the first six races and the titles are pretty much over before we get to mid-season, Ferrari and Red Bull might turn around and go, well, we'll just not even bother this year then. Full focus on next year. I can't ever see it happening, but they might. And the question also is, is if Ferrari or let's say Red Bull were to try and copy it, would it even work with the design of their car? Maybe it wouldn't even work with the way that they designed the front suspension and with the rest of the front of the car. So maybe it's not even worth for them to even try and copy it if it ends up being really good for Mercedes. Uh, rhetorical resources, Red Bull and Ferrari already have it. Merck just didn't hide it as well, winky face. Um, it could be. Could be. Um, I think I think we're all now... There's the Mark Priestley explainer, so I will definitely go and check that out later. So I recommend that for anybody that wants to watch it, uh, a bit more information, because he will do a better job than I ever could, even reading it. Um, but I think now we're kind of waiting for what Ferrari and Red Bull say. Or it feels that way. Um, because I think we're... <sighs> yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I can't work out what they're going to do. The sceptic in me says that Ferrari are just going to go straight in with appeal. Even if it's legal. It doesn't matter. They thought their engine was legal last year. 
so I can see them going straight into appeal after FP1 in Australia or after the race. But I'd, I'd like to, you know, I'd like them to just ri- just just rise to the technical challenge. Come <laughs> yeah. on, just do it yourself. Come with something. You're come on. Was that with the double diffuser when people were kicking off at Braun? It's like, well, why don't you just build it? Come on. Yeah, and it wasn't just a double diffuser let Braun win that title either because like three other teams I think had it so like they still built a better car and like even without double diffuser they would have been close to the front anyway so just just do it yourself you know they're all paid millions of money they've got massive budgets so <laughs> yeah why not why not just make it yourself and see how it goes uh, sorry I'm just looking for pictures on GP today but it's still down unfortunately Um the gallery so apologies i'll have another look in a bit see if we can get something um but yeah I, I we'll see we'll see what they decide to do with it but we'll we'll move on from mercedes right i'll take some comments from the chat um exactly do something better completely agree um definitely i think i mean what i'm, I'm not going to try and pretend to know what they could do better um Put a go faster stripe on it. It'll be great. See what yeah. happens. I'll gain you half a second at least, surely. I'm trying to find a question that isn't people arguing with each other. <laughs> I keep don't know scrolling. What, I don't know. Yeah, keep going. Six, six weeks later. There's, there's got to be one in there somewhere. <laughs> um, Il Papa says, how do you watch the testing? Uh, you can watch it on Sky Sports F1 if you're in the UK. Sky Sports Italy over in surprise surprise italy um <laughs> and on f1 tv i'm sure there are more imaginative ways uh that you can watch it but i'm not really promoting those streams because i'm um, yeah uh, knock on wood fom have been pretty good this year and according to stewart they're trying to be a bit more lenient with those who are not showing the footage but i've also seen on youtube lots of people showing the footage so they've probably gone too far the other way and we'll all get punished next year for it uh but yes there you go uh questions in chat then if it wants to refresh. Uh, it is on YouTube. Yes. Uh, I really like this F1 channel. I am glad I did learn English. Uh, thank you very much, Puzzle TV. Um, Russell's back out. He is indeed. Um, I don't know why I click on deleted messages. Because <laughs> <it's> just <laughs> people abusing me generally. Um, where is Latifi? Uh, Latifi's not in the car today. Um, neither of the Canadians. Oh, that's badly timed, Chris. Neither <laughs> in the car today, are they? <laughs> Hey, we had years without any Canadians on the F1 grid, so I'm not complaining. <laughs> What's it? I'll tell you, actually. Somebody asked me this. What was your take on Jacques Villeneuve? Are you, are you a fan of his? I, I'm eh, about him. Yeah, I mean, when I started watching F1, it was the early 2000s, and he was kind of on the way out when he was with BAR Honda at the time, so I wasn't really old enough to remember his World Championship glory days. He's definitely not short of an opinion, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of indifferent to him, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't like him or I don't not like him. Um, I don't agree with everything that he says. Sometimes he says something uh, smart, but yeah, not the biggest Villeneuve fan, to be honest with you. You, you know, it's kind of strange because the, the, like Lance Stroll, we don't have like great Canadian F1 personalities. You know, like Villeneuve was always kind of a, an odd interview. Lance Stroll's a bit of an odd interview. I think Nicholas Latifi is a lot better, so he can bring some good personality uh, in, into F1. But yeah, I can't say I'm the biggest Villeneuve fan, regardless of the fact that he's from Canada. Because you see, that's again on Stroll. I mean, he gets a lot of stick everywhere. 
Um, right. But in, in Canada, is he like, you know, like people are with over here with British drivers like Russell and Norris and Hamilton. Does he get, does he get that kind of love over in Canada or is he seen like, world as just a paid driver and no good when actually he's a good driver whether people like it or not that's gonna give me some stick <laughs> it's interesting some of the comments from our, our viewers that are from canada they typically go toward the pay driver way same with wow. nicholas latifi and we always try and, and kind of not necessarily defend the two of them, but we always bring up the point, hey, listen, these guys are in F1 because they're extremely talented. Yes, they do have financial backing. Yes, they have the luxury of having fathers who are very successful, but they wouldn't be in F1 had it not been for their talent. I mean, these teams aren't just going to put in any driver. If I won the lottery tomorrow, they're not going to put me in the Williams just because I got the money. <laughs> um, you know, you need skill to be in this sport. But Honestly, outside of the F1 community, Lance Stroll is not very known in Canada. Formula One is still a fairly unpopular sport in Canada. When it comes time for the Canadian Grand Prix in Montreal, it's an excellent Grand Prix. I highly recommend to anybody that's uh, in the area or if you even want to travel to the race, it's an excellent atmosphere. But outside of the Canadian Grand Prix, not much F1 coverage in the major sports networks. So Lance Stroll is not even one of our most known athletes in the country. Wow, I see Canadian Grand Prix. It always looks packed out, and like I, I just assume Canada loved F1. But um, yeah, I mean, it def I mean, going over for the race is definitely on my bucket list. It's 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 one I've always wanted. To see. Obviously, Monaco is on there and things like that. But I've always wanted to go to Montreal uh, for Canada. So. Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, great atmosphere, brilliant racetrack, obviously a great city. Um, I love where the track is located at. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. Obviously, our number one sport over here is hockey, so you've got a lot of focus there. Um, but, you know, it, it's kind of like the U.K., you know, obviously football over there is very popular versus something like you know, baseball, for example, I can't imagine is very big in the no, UK, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good thing, too. <laughs> it's not very exciting. So um, it, it's tough because, like, we, we obviously love F1. And when you come to work or, or you try and talk to your coworkers about sports, not many people watch Formula One. When it comes time for the Canadian Grand Prix, a lot of people do come out. But there's not a lot of hardcore fans that will watch all races all year round and be familiar with all the drivers, which is a little unfortunate. Oh, there you go. I've, I've learned something, genuinely. Um, yeah. And, and to be honest with you, it kind of bothers us sometimes because, for example, when Lewis Hamilton won the championship last year, it was record-breaking, right? Sixth world title, second most successful driver in F1 history. It was a big sporting moment. It got barely any coverage over here. I'm not sure what it was like in, in the UK and other parts of the world, but in here. Canada... <laughs> yeah, and as it should be, right? But in Canada... Barely mentioned. It barely mentioned on any of the sports shows. Well, it, you you say it got quite a bit over here, Jamie. I, it, mm, sports person like the year still winds oh, yeah, me up no. so much. <laughs> how he's not got a knighthood? Don't go into tax because you know there are plenty of people that have won or won who have been awarded knighthoods who avoid tax um, yeah, and then don't abide by the rules. So. Sir Ian Duncan Smith. <laughs> um, but well, that's the channel taken down. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm. <laughs> I I don't think it got. Yeah, like we are witnessing like the potentially the greatest driver the Formula One world would ever see, and he's from our own country, and people still have a disliking towards him for whatever reason, whether it's like all these made up reasons that they don't like him or just 
maybe his attitude like 10 years ago was a bit dodgy, but he's gone well past that now. <laughs> like, I'm not a Hamilton fan. I like, I can appreciate his driving ability, and I really do like, like, he's a, I can admit he's one of the best sportsmen in the world right now and one of the best F1 drivers we've ever seen. But I've never been a fan of his, but I can still appreciate it. But I feel like a lot of people in our country just don't like him for whatever reason. Why well, it's pretty annoying. Like whether it, I don't know, but I don't want to get into the reasons. But yeah, <laughs> the thing is, I think there are there are a few sizes. I think there is that people say they don't like him. Again, that vocal minority on Twitter and whatnot. But I also think that the fact it's gone behind a paywall makes a difference because there are fewer eyes on the sport in the UK. So you rely on your BBCs and that, unfortunately, to report on it. And often the sports shows are stuck at the end of the news, as they always have been. And it's an F1 is generally the last thing they mention. So it maybe doesn't get the coverage, feel like it gets the coverage because it doesn't. Whereas when it was live on the BBC, you know, more people were witnessing it. I mean, was it 13 something million tuned in to watch him win the 2008 title? But about with highlights about two and a half, three million tuned in for him to win his sixth. Wow. So I don't think that's necessarily people don't like him. I think that is a factor. And I think that there will be other things that he's done in his personal life that, or that he doesn't do in his personal life in some people's eyes um, that will have a factor on that. But I also think that just people aren't watching F1 like they used to, but then, which is weird, kind of like you were saying about Canada, Chris, it's kind of weird that you watch the British Grand Prix, you go to Silverstone, it is rammed. It is so full and it sold out last year. So there's there's so many people in the UK still love it, but people aren't watching it because even if he's a driver that's from your, your country and he's doing really, really well, do you really want to pay upwards of £25 a month to watch him dominate and probably win the race and the championship comfortably? Right. It's, it's really difficult. Um, so I think there are loads of reasons why he maybe doesn't... I mean, he'll definitely get more than he does um, in other countries. Of course he will. Um, but I, I get frustrated with the whole Lewis Hamilton thing anyway, because you get I, I get stick if I say anything good about him. I get stick if I say anything bad about him. <laughs> the British media, if they say a word about him, like Sky Sports F1, they have got a lot of bias towards Lewis Hamilton. I think even they would admit that. But that's not okay in people's eyes but it's totally fine for Italian media to be biased towards Ferrari. It's totally fine for German media to be biased towards Vettel. Why is it not okay for British media to be biased towards Hamilton? Yeah, and it's not even like they're trying to annoy fans. It's like literally, as a media company, you're trying to get clicks and you're trying to get people to read your articles. If a casual fan, like, they're not going to read an article about like Lance Stroll, are they, from a British point of view? Like, they want to see articles about Hamilton who they might have a slight interest in. Like, realistically, that's, right. how, you, that's how you grow your, your audience. Like, by getting those casual fans to read your stuff you need like almost the big titles with the big names like hamilton and arguably vettel when he was winning titles back to back like all the articles will be about them so it's no wonder people say that they're biased it's just they're reporting on the the biggest stars so it's it's difficult is it like as from a like a media point of view so like the press you can't have hamilton win a race and then say he was crap (laughs) <laughs> you've got yeah, to give exactly. him praise for winning that race and because he wins so many races maybe it does come across bias but um it's it's a difficult one and but i just i just again before this youtube business i just thought lewis hamilton was loved across the whole country because he was british and winning the titles but nope <laughs> <laughs> not at all um soon learn that one 
Um, Jedi Master said he will be knighted after he retires. I think that's probably what's going to happen with Lewis. I think because I think he's going to be one of those drivers, and I kind of feel the same about Vettel as well. They're the kind of drivers that aren't going to get the recognition they deserve until after they've retired. Um, and I, I, I think that was the case with Schumacher too. A lot of people who dislike Schumacher that I know would now quite happily say he's one of the best of all time uh, and he was a great driver. But when they're racing, they're dominating. There's, there's controversy around them, for example, on track or anything. There's, it's going to stir up emotions, isn't it? But once they've retired and you sit down and look at what they achieved, you're going to go, yeah, they were pretty good. And then they'll get their recognition. So I think that's kind of what we're waiting for to be honest. Um, not that I want them both to retire, but in terms of knighthoods and all of that, I'm obviously, obviously Seb won't get one, but um, yeah, I think that's maybe just me, Chris. I don't know if we just need to wait for drivers to retire before we can really appreciate what they've done and, and I guess as well, know their legacy, what they're leaving behind. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you there. Um, I, I've said it before too, we won't really appreciate Lewis Hamilton until after he retires. And I, I agree with Jamie too. You know, I'm, I'm not the biggest Lewis Hamilton fan and I've got certain things um, that uh, not necessarily I don't like about him, but that sort of kind of rub you the wrong way. But I don't know the guy personally. So we only see what's represented in the media and that could completely be different from what he's actually like. But I think that he's one of the greatest drivers ever, whether you like him personally or not. I think technically probably the greatest driver that we've ever had. Very intelligent guy when you hear him talk about the car, when you hear his engineers talk about the way that he interacts with the team. I think that's something that's probably one of the most underrated things about him. But much like with a lot of athletes in other sports, you know, whether you look at like somebody like LeBron James, for example, who has plenty of haters uh, all over the world, we won't really get to appreciate the greatest ever until they retire and you look back and you go, wow, you know, Schumacher was really great or Lewis Hamilton was really great. And unfortunately, we won't be able to do that until they retire and they're long gone. I'm still scrolling through. We've kind of started a debate now. <laughs> I don't know how we got on to Lewis Hamilton, but we did. Um, I <laughs> it always comes back to him. Um, Dutch News only mentioned F1 if Max did something. That's from Justin. Thank you very much again for your contribution, mate. Um, I've heard that, that the Dutch don't say an awful lot unless Verstappen does well. I don't know if that's true. I'm not there, obviously. So um, we'll see. Um, thank you very much uh also paypal contribution i'm gonna to come to proper chat in a moment but i keep spotting comments reading one out and then we talk for 20 minutes about them because they're just, just every now and again you get really good comments i mean Mo, to be fair you're all awesome so that's okay um kiss ass but yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you very much to almonds again for your contribution and jack keeps sending me a penny um but i don't i never get any of it because you have to put more than the penny in um for PayPal. Um, for Jack watching, you have to start with £3,000, mate. Um, it's the minimum they'll take. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, thank you very much. Did uh, Armas leave me a message? Uh, he did. Uh, just wanted to let you know that I uh, do leave messages. I'm Kamoa from the Streamlabs Donations. There we go. Uh, by the way, you're in the old man uh, with the youngsters' voices. I know. I know. All right. I feel like that. It's like I, I go on Twitter. It's like, when did you start watching? 92. It's like, oh, I wasn't born till 2005. Get out. <laughs> well, <laughs> Just yeah. leave now. <laughs> uh, thank you very much as well to Daniel uh, for your generous contribution too uh, on PayPal. So cheers for all the hard work you put in uh, to producing great content. You're more than welcome. Um, I just do it because I love the sport. Uh, that's how it started and it's kind of become a full-time job, which is crazy. I like, yeah. Uh, 
Go on then, Jack. You just sent me a text message. I dares you. Um, but if you do, I'm off on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as that. Um, if you do, I'm sending it straight back. But anyway, um, in Thailand, F1 still has adverts. That's from Timo. I hated those days uh, on ITV when we had adverts. That was so bad. Was so it always annoying. felt like the adverts were like deliberately placed to miss out the good action as well. Like I seem to remember, I was only like eight at the time, but like every time an advert had finished, it'd be like, oh, here's a crash that just happened that we missed or something like that. It was so annoying. I missed that. Smart asses in the chat. Um, F1 slashy reviews. Uh, the media have a lot of bias towards Hamilton, says the man who owns an LH44 shrine. <laughs> I don't have an LH44 shrine. I am not a massive Lewis Hamilton fanboy, but if I was, at least I'd be a fanboy of a driver with some talent, Dan. Um... <laughs> A little bit harsh, probably, but never mind. <laughs> I'm sure he can take it. He can. Um, Autosport, we were bantering as much as we could. Um, so there we go. Um, Asif said, do you think the Mercedes steering trick is legal? Um, it is. Apparently, the FIA have known for a while and it's all fine. Um, so that's great. Um, people let me know in their age in chat. Good to see some 25 and 27 year You know, I'm, a, I'm a still a little bit older than that, but it's closer than when people are like, I'm 15. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, and thank you very much to Twixter Thirteen. What are you thinking about Merck's DAS? Um, I mean, I think I think we've covered that loads, but it is it is legal. I think it's really good to see teams still able to find some innovation on these cars, um, despite the restrictions. And I'm looking forward to seeing it all kick off in Australia. Uh, James is 30. Good lad. Uh, 32 in a few weeks, says Gingerfest. Annette, I don't believe you. You don't look a day over 21. Kiss ass. Um, Alan, 41. Oh, at least, uh, yeah. Oh. I'm not going to ask you to your age because you're going to be like oh, nine <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Uh, but I'll do a run through the order very quickly while you talk. Why you that while you guys are doing that, uh, Perez one seventeen three still fastest ninety six laps on the board. Ricardo at one seventeen seven forty one laps on the board. Uh, they're not out, of course. They're having the afternoon off. Pierre Gasly one eighteen one hundred and four laps for him. Alex Albon or Chris Albon as he was last year one eighteen one seventy seven laps. George Russell. Uh, 84 laps, 118.2, 118.2 from Vettel, 33 laps. Uh, Leclerc, 118.3, 49 laps. Lewis Hamilton, 118.3 as well, 106 laps this morning. Uh, Leclerc and Hamilton are not in their cars this afternoon. They've been taken over by Bottas and Vettel. Grosjean, or the cars have, uh, Hamilton and Leclerc haven't been taken over by Bottas and Vettel. They're both perfectly fine, I understand it. Uh, Grosjean, 118.4, 104. 18 laps, Raikkonen 118.5, 98 laps, Norris 118.5, 103 laps, Ocon 118.5, 23 laps, and Valtteri Bottas 121.246 and 48 laps. So Ocon on Ricardo, not quite over 100 yet. They're getting that way. Um, Perez is in the car this afternoon. What we're talking about, he is in the car. Lancy Boy is not until tomorrow. Uh, Russell getting towards 100 as well. He's been out, which is good. Um, yeah, it's been good, such good conversation that I've not even looked at the TV, um, really, apart from every time I see a Mercedes and go, oh, are we on board? <laughs> uh, which is good stuff. So, yes, I'm just uh, going to give that a refresh and make sure I've not missed anything. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to work out who's done 100. Perez is going to do that. He's on 97. Ricardo did 41. Ocon's on 25, so they're getting that way. Mercedes are well over that already. Norris has gone over 100. Raikkonen's on the brink. Uh, Grosjean's gone through 100. Russell probably will as well. It's going to be another good day of running, so I think that's that's great stuff. But I think Williams, 
Are, are we are we all happy to see Williams uh, at least at testing, but also getting the laps in? Chris, are you are you pleased for that? Oh yeah, absolutely, and. I think that like sometimes, you know, on our show, we kind of poke fun at the expense of Williams. Um, we, you know, we did last year, but you have to remember the history of this team. You have to remember all the world champions and legends that this team has had before. So to see them kind of be on the right track so far in the 2020 season is really great to see. And I think they got a really good driver lineup. Um, you know, George Russell is a fantastic driver, potentially a future world champion. And a lot of people are underrating Nicholas Latifi. And I'm not just saying that because he's Canadian. I think that Nicholas Latifi will be a really solid driver for Williams. He's not as young as people think. He's 23 years old. So he's got plenty of experience. And I think that Williams probably won't be, you know, eighth or seventh in the Constructors' Championship. I think they'll probably still finish last, but I think that they'll make a significant improvement in what they've done in 2019, which I guess isn't that hard because 2019 only scored one point and they had a pretty rough year. But I think it's good for, for F1 to see Williams somewhat back on their feet for now. I'm not going to tell you what he's done just yet, but uh, Jack, let me know, mate. Do you want me to reject that? <laughs> because it's very tempting to accept it. Um, and like you said, that could be a very expensive joke if I hit accept on PayPal. Um, you need to let me know. <laughs> oh, do I just do it and be a prick? <laughs> really land him in it. Uh, let me know, Jack. Um, I've sent you a message, mate. Uh, yes, I will. I'll reject it. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, I've got him over a barrel now. <laughs> That'll teach you for sending pennies my way. Um, yes, let's do some... We've got another uh, contribution in um, from Chance Baker. Says, "Did you see the NASCAR crash last weekend at Daytona? It was the amazing. It was amazing. The guy walked away with barely a scratch. Hit at 200 miles per hour on Dorton roof. Yes, I did see that. Um, bloody horrible accident. And I think I said yesterday, it's just a miracle that he that he's to be honest, even alive, Jamie. I'm sure you've seen it, but I mean, when I saw that accident, my first reaction was." He's gone. I, I, I didn't expect yeah. to see him get out of that at all. It's pretty horrific, but I'm very glad that he's alive and seems to be doing reasonably well, considering. But yeah, hopefully he can get back in the car eventually. But we'll have to wait and see about uh, Did he? Because he walked out of hospital, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is absolutely incredible. Um, I'm not a big follower of NASCAR. I've not really ever watched it, but... I haven't either um, at all. <laughs> These crashes, I mean, that is just, uh, yeah, a miracle. Absolute miracle is what I'd argue. So, um, fantastic to see him get away from that one. Um, I, I, I know it's and it, kind of relieving as well for the, the poor guy that hit him because imagine, I mean, like, a bit like Correa, um, he's got to live with that, you know. Not, not Correa's fault yeah. at all what happened with Hugh Bear, but he's got to live with that. Have you guys seen that uh, recent interview with uh, Correa, actually? No, I haven't. No. It was pretty interesting. I think he was doing some uh, esports. Uh, might have been the Gran Turismo uh, esports, but he was doing some sort of esports and he was just talking about the crash. Um, I, I can't remember exactly what the video was called, but I'm sure everybody can find it on YouTube. Very interesting. He kind of goes into a little bit of detail about the moment of the crash and, and what happened after. And he was actually conscious during the whole thing, which was just so crazy. So it's amazing that he's 
even alive because he was in a coma for I think solid two or three weeks. So it's I, I mean these racing drivers, man, they're just they're just a different type of people. <laughs> I can't reject it at the minute, Jack. Um, it's not come through. Don't worry, it's still on pending, and I need to take action. But I can't reject it at the moment. Uh, so if I can't, I will go and do it. Don't panic. I'm <laughs> I'm not going to take that from you. Or am I? That's the big question. Uh, but yeah, in all seriousness, just very pleased to see that he's, he's still alive. Um, but I'm going to try and avoid getting too morbid. We've had a couple of morbid moments on these streams. Um, but yeah, again, highlight safety. And I'm sure as I think, I think it was Dan that said yesterday that more needs to be done safety wise. Um, but it's always a, it's always good to see drivers get out of big accidents um, in the end. So yeah. Hopefully we won't see any more, but unfortunately, the way uh, most sport works, like I said yesterday, you're doing 200, 200 miles an hour. You can make the cars as safe as you want. You never know what's going to happen. So many variables in that situation. So um, most important thing is he's... I'd, I'd never say fine. Like It's like I kept saying after the Hubert thing, I kept, oh, Correa's fine, but what I mean is they're alive. Obviously, he's not fine at all. Right. Um, but yeah, it's that sometimes gets lost in translation, I think. And I think it's important too, like some, when you're just talking about NASCAR before, like some people always kind of make the joke in the comment, like, oh, all they do is turn left. But I mean, that's not the reality. I mean, this is very dangerous what they're doing. And although NASCAR seems really boring, the speeds that they're doing in such tight corners and, and the, the banking of the walls and how close they are, I mean, it's incredibly difficult. And same with F1, like these guys are putting their lives on the line. So I think it's important to always just have that respect for, for what they're doing instead of just saying, oh, like this is easy. Um, I think like last year was a not a good reminder. I don't want to say it that way, but was kind of a, a wake up call to everybody to show like, you know, motorsport is still very dangerous no matter how safe you're going to make it. Well, I, see, that's the thing. People, are like, oh, they only turn. It's, oh, they only turn left, and then you get like, oh, Lewis Hamilton's only winning because he's got the fastest car. It's like, well, you go do it then. Yeah. <laughs> if it's that easy, you go do it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was funny. They, uh, I think, about a year ago now, and uh, one of our main sports networks here in Canada did a uh, feature series on when Jacques Villeneuve won the World Championship in 1997, and in the very same year there was a competition for the Canadian athlete of the year with a baseball player. I found it hilarious that they were trying to compare a baseball player to a formula one driver, but that, that's a, that's a whole nother rant. So I won't go down that road. Um, but basically the, some of the journalists were trying to make the argument that, Oh, well, Jacques Villeneuve won the championship all because of his car. You know, the, the, the car did the work and it, which is just completely false because obviously the driver is a massive part of it. And, the driver still has to deform, has to perform. It doesn't matter how good the car is. Lewis Hamilton is winning all these world championships. Yes, they do have the best car, but he's also the best driver, arguably. I won't open <laughs> that debate right now. Um, so the the driver is a big, big factor for sure. So it, it's not just all 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 the car. The driver has a lot to do with it. If it was all the car, Bottas wouldn't have been eighty something points behind Hamilton last year. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, that's not a shot at Bottas. It's the, it's the same for um, everybody. So, you know, Ricardo, sorry, Jamie, uh, beat Hulkenberg <laughs> last year. If that was all the car, then Nico would have been a point or two behind him. Uh, yeah, I know there are lots of variables in F1, but that's that's my simple way of looking at it. Uh, definitely. What we got going on on track at the minute before we get on to, I will take some more from chat. I've got, we've kind of started a conversation. 
um, in chat. So there's not many questions coming through at the moment. They're just kind of chatting to each other, which is kind of the point of chat, which is wicked. So, yeah, we'll read some of your comments out. We'll look at Lando Norris at the minute. Uh, with some sensors and cameras on the side of his uh, airbox. Interesting stuff. That McLaren's it's a good-looking car on track. It really is. And that, I like the blue this year. I did like the way they had it last year, um, like partly on the engine cover with all those shapes and whatnot. But um, I do like the look of it this year. Um, the only thing I don't like about the McLaren as they, it comes towards you is on the nose, they've like got this nice, slim, tidy nose. And then they've like stuck some black what looks like black plastic it's not i know it's not but they've sort of black to the front of it on the very tip of the nose and it just it looks a mess um paint it orange for god's sake um but yeah do like the mclaren out there uh, lando norris p11 at the minute 1.1 off the fastest time from perez uh, well perez third yesterday first today gonna be some suspicions wandering around i fear jamie <laughs> yeah it seems so but then <laughs> I'm sure these times aren't relative to what they're actually going to be doing. But Perez, I, I don't expect a strong season from him, but I don't think he'll be winning the title, if I'm perfectly honest. <laughs> I'm sure Mercedes have improved their own car from last year. <laughs> so <laughs> it would be, be very easy to see if like, Ferrari or Mercedes took a step backwards and suddenly Haas and Forza and Racing Point were faster than <laughs> How funny would it be in Australia if um, it turns out the W10 was better than the W11 and Racing Point yeah. lock out the front row and Mercedes are like, oh crap, we need to take that off. <laughs> Um, here's a good debate uh, from Nicholas Cowie. Uh, what's the best grid we've had in F1? Oh, it's a tasty debate. Oh, I'm probably gonna upset good a lot question. of people. Definitely uh, a recent one, I would say. I mean, it's and my my first reaction without really thinking about it would be going back to the the grid of seven world champions. Seven. Was it seven? No, not seven. Was well, seven if you included Rosberg. Yeah, but, future world champion, but at the time yeah, that yeah. had the likes that had the likes of like um who was it? All the back market teams like Della Rosa or people like that. Like the average talent was probably like of the top ten teams was probably pretty good, but then you look below that it wasn't it wasn't fantastic. But my immediate reaction would be twenty nineteen, really. Like Really? You, we got rid of the likes of um who was it? It's like Ericsson went uh, a lot of the what we want to say like Deadwood went obviously King Marcus but you know <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, um, yeah yeah I don't want to get too much into that but um, it felt like obviously with no real backmarker teams and all the all the drivers are pretty good I think at the end of last season um, <laughs> the only drivers without a podium were the three rookie or the four rookies and Hulkenberg so every other driver had been on the podium at some point in their career which is impressive like 15 drivers I think it was obviously Albon, Norris, Russell, Giovinazzi and Hulkenberg were the drivers who hadn't had a podium at the end of last season. So that, that grid was pretty strong. Uh, seven races, seven different winners is what I was thinking of. It's six world champions. Uh, Vettel, Button, Hamilton, Alonso, uh, Schumacher, Schumacher and then and Raikkonen. Raikkonen. And then, of course, Rosberg became world champion uh, in 2016. And Massa was... I mean, it was pretty much... He was world champion for like 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah almost eight uh so yeah i think i think 2012 will be my go-to but as you kind of point out looking at the rest of the grid Charles peak narain carter kayan uh Vitaly petrov heike kovalainen pastor maldonado um i mean kobayashi <laughs> was a legend i'm not even gonna dig yeah. at him jerome d'ambrosio they're, they're good names in the series they've gone off to compete in but they weren't exactly epic in formula one so um that's a really good question 
if we're just going off driver lineup, how about 2015? I'm going to have to Google that. <laughs> I would I would say that Roberto Mary and Will Stevens were on the grid hey. that season. But... Will alive. <laughs> Will I, I, I'm thinking... Yeah. I think it in terms of the world champions we had on the grid, you had Alonso and Button on the same team. Uh, you know, obviously Lewis, Vettel, Felipe Massa, the debut of Max Verstappen. Just, just quickly off the top of my head was one of the first ones I thought about. Yeah, I suppose. But then the likes of Salva had like Ericsson, Nasa. Um, oh, Nasa, I forgot about him. Maldonado was still there at that point. Like, didn't he play Nazareth? I don't know. Underrated, I think. I do feel, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't amazing. But, don't get me wrong, but yeah. And all I really remember him for is crashing into Marcus Ericsson quite a bit. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I forgot that Rossi had done some races as well. Uh, was he the last American on the grid? He will have been, won't he? Yep. I think we, we could we could do with an American. They're on about building the the reputation for the sport over there. We could do with an American driver or two. Uh, we got an American team. I'm still amazed they haven't got an American driver. And I thought, yeah, me too. The fuss they make over being this American team, I thought they would go out all out to bring somebody in. Um, but Is yeah, really in the pipeline at the minute. It feels like, obviously, there was a career, but that got a bit curtailed. But yeah, not really anyone coming through this American I can, that I can think of, at least. But Paddy O'Ward, is he American? Uh, he's Mexican, but I think he raced under American license. I'm not sure, but it, he's not exactly on the cusp of F1 at the minute, I don't feel like. But no. maybe in a few years. Yeah. It all depends if they wanted to just grab somebody out of IndyCar and throw them into F1, but obviously there's the whole super license thing, so that's probably not going to happen. I'm going back and looking at seasons now for driver lineups. Um, <laughs> 2003, Schumacher, Barrichello, Montoya, Schumacher, Coulthard, Raikkonen, Alonso, Trulli, um, Frenson, Mr. I always forget about him, Nick Heidfeld, Fisichella, Mark Webber, Button, Jos Verstappen. <laughs> Who, by the way, what was I watching? Oh my god! It was after it was one of the uh, top tens in on the F1 YouTube channel. Where he took um, out it was um, Montoya. One. Was it? Oh no! And it, and I, Jos Verstappen. It's such a stupid thing to say because I look just like my dad. But how much Max looks like Jos Verstappen, a young Jos Verstappen? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, wow. Um, I mean, that's not a bad grid, but again, it's the, the same argument. You've got Cristiano De Mata, um, Rotham, and Zolt Baumgartner. Like, yeah. Antonio Pizzoni, Zolt Baumgartner, um, <laughs> Ralph Furman. Mark Seems Taylor. like there's a lot of Scott Speed fans, Scott Speed fans in the uh, live chat. Not sure why, but. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> He's another one of those, though, isn't he, that, that did all right after leaving F1, but just didn't really deliver in Formula 1. But, like, that's the best racing name you could ever have, don't you oh, think? Yeah. yeah. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> now, what year was Rio Harrianto? Was that 2016? 2016, yeah. For half okay, a year. Okay, I changed my, changed my mind. That was my favorite driver lineup then. <laughs> uh, just looking at obscure names in the chat. Alex Young. It's a good one. Um... How about uh, Marcus Winkelhock? Was that uh, that oh, one seven. year that he was? Yeah. Seven, yeah. Oh, seven, that was one yeah. race, not even one year. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, just didn't he? He just like, uh, you're in for this race, mate. Oh yeah. well, at least everyone will forget who I am. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he's got he's got the um, the best races led in his career percentage out of any F1 driver in history. So 
you know, not all bad for him. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, true. I, I still keep forgetting that um, Antonio Giovinazzi led multiple laps last year. Yeah. <laughs> I always forget that one. Um, all at one race, of course, but... Uh, yeah, I did see a good question. Uh, Tim C, Cambridge, said, should F1 close the cockpit in 2021 like IndyCar? Are they starting to close over the wheels as well? Um, I wondered about the wheels, funnily enough. Um, I wondered if they might go down the Formula E route to allow a bit more wheel banging on street tracks, but then Formula E removed their wheel covers. <laughs> if you like, they, they've removed those arches for the next gen, haven't they? So uh, maybe not, but... They're not going to cover it for 2021. And I, I don't know. I've not actually seen what anybody else thinks. So maybe this is a controversial opinion. Maybe it's not. I actually think the Halo looks better than the Aero screen. Yeah, I would agree with that, definitely. Yep, same. Um, which, if you told me that three years ago that I'd say that, having seen the options, <laughs> I'd never have believed it. Um, but I actually do think the Halo the cars actually look weird without them now, which is really, I think back to one of the first videos on the channel was me ranting about the Halo and how much disgusting I hate it. And here I am going, I love the Halo. It's amazing. Yeah, I look back at um, some 2016 races recently and like, it seems like the helmets are so exposed. It's like anytime there's a crash, I'm like so worried for the driver. Right. That's the only thing I miss is just not being able to see more of the driver. Like, remember when, you know, Ricardo used to celebrate his wins? He'd yeah. be almost, like, half out of the car. And, like, um, I could, do you remember that move he did on one of the Williams at Monza in from, like, 70 metres back in the turn one? He, like, did, like, a, a gang sign with his hand after doing it. And he yeah, yeah. Be out anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you miss a lot of those, uh, the middle fingers now. You don't see them as often <laughs> because of the halo. I mean, Max still managed it with the Ocon back a <laughs> yeah. couple of years ago. <laughs> right, yeah. I just, I just look at the halo now on Seb's car. I just think, don't bother. And the only thing is, like, like from a distance, that being at the racetracks and that, it is a pain um, trying to tell the drivers apart. And it's all, it's all well and good. I said this yesterday. It's all well and good, like, making the shark fin bigger and saying you have to make your number bigger so you're more, your drivers are more distinguishable or whatever or recognisable. Then you've got Williams being stupid and putting a six and a three, six on top of the three, so you can't really make it out. So from certain angles, it's going to look like Latifi all the time. Uh, and then you've got McLaren, who for some reason have a barcode style number with all those lines in that is almost yeah. unrecognisable from a distance. <laughs> I thought this was supposed to make it easier. They should like lower the rules a bit on how much the cars can be different because I, I don't know if you've seen F two at all, but um, like the the Univirtuosi team, like their cars are literally one's yellow and one's red for the different drivers. So that'll be interesting to see. But then you kind of lose the edge of it being a team sport if your drivers have different cars. But I'll be yeah. interested to see, like, just even little things like if one halo was a different color to the other or something to match the helmet designs. That'd be quite, quite a cool addition. But I doubt the FAA will do that anytime soon. Is it Sean Ball that does those concepts where they, he has, like, the driver flag um, like yeah, on the shark so. fin? Yeah. I think that would be quite cool. Something like that. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think if, if you if you if you like us and you're watching F1 all the time, I think you're going to be able to work out which driver is which. But casual fans, it's going to get frustrating. And this was a debate as well about, I think it was on the official commentary yesterday about helmet design, um, and how samey some of them are starting to look. And the whole point of of getting rid of the old numbering system you know world champions one and two and all that um, was to give the drivers the opportunity to pick a number they wanted and build a brand around it but nobody seems to be doing that when it comes to helmet design. 
which is weird. Um, I, I mean, Nico Rosberg, I think he did because he had that really nice black helmet and then he had like the, the Roman numerals for his number on. Yeah. And he had like a whole merchandising based on that the number yeah. on design as well, which is really cool. I don't know, Hamilton's got like, you know, still I rise and whatnot in his helmet. So the, there are those doing it, but I think some of the helmets are so, I mean, look, Gasly and Kvyat, they're just wearing the same helmet. Yeah, and the same with Perez yeah. and Stroll to some extent as well. Obviously, Perez has got a little Mexican flag on the back of it, but you're not going to see that from the front when you're looking like from the stands, for instance. Is that true, Waffle Because I'm going to read it out anyway. Um, fun fact, Dawn Boss is only the second driver to start an erotic business after F1. The first <laughs> was Peter Arundel, who also made erotic video games. Where can I send that man a donation? That's a great fact. <laughs> <laughs> if, if that is if that is true, yeah, uh, donation <laughs> waffle cat, please. Uh, <laughs> there you go. You you learn something new every day. Um, Lando is sporting a good bucket. I agree, Eric. Uh, you you can see Lando Norris coming a mile off, can't you? And he's in an orange McLaren. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're not you're not going to miss Lando Norris, are you, anytime soon? Um, but yeah, I I will check the wiki. I absolutely will. Um, let's let's not get into what erotic is, um, Joe Hunt. <laughs> That's definitely getting medium on a size. There's no doubt about that one. Um, I think yeah, Danny, Danny Rick's got a good helmet. <laughs> His is just a oh, testing no. one. Really, That's going to take taken out of context. <laughs> Great, uh, but yeah, I, I just I, we were talking about yesterday, like the driver flag, for example, you had. Uh, Michael Schumacher had the German flag on the back. Um, the old helmets with like British colours and stuff. I don't know. That's, it's probably just me being a boomer. You know, <laughs> like when you think about like Michael Schumacher, Mika Hakkinen, even to some extent Fernando Alonso, their their helmets are like iconic, and you mm. can picture them straight away. There's not many drivers that because they change every year, and depending on what team they're at, they're always different. Like it's hard to picture anyone's yeah, like specific designs anymore. Stuart or Dan said this yesterday. Since Sebastian Vettel was forced to stop making a new helmet every weekend, he's caught with a really nice design. Yeah, yeah, I do like his. Um, but yeah, because I think it all started because they, they showed those pictures of the two Force India helmets, didn't they? Um, and they were identical, except the numbers. And everyone's like, oh no, racing point, sorry. Uh, oh no, oh no, no, that's going to be terrible. We're not going to apart. But luckily, they've gone back to their other ones. But um, yeah. A lot of purple out there at the minute in terms of helmets as well. Um, obviously, I think Daniel Ricciardo's the Kobe tribute, which is really cool. Um, Lewis Hamilton's got some purple on that. I don't know if that's a permanent thing or whether that's a Kobe tribute. Maybe that is. Um, I've not seen anything on that. So, uh, yeah. And Hulkenberg's helmet last year was awesome. The yellow one was awesome Yeah, well. yeah, that was really cool. Um, but, yeah, that's helmet talk. Why not? Uh Nothing really changing in the order at the minute, just the laps. Perez still fastest from this morning, 109 laps for him. Um, Albon's on 94, but he's still in the pit, so another driver probably going to go through 100. Gasly's done 115. Russell's heading towards 192 for him. Uh, Vettel's done 40 already. Only nine fewer than Leclerc, uh, who was in all morning this morning, but he did have a couple of issues, I think, Leclerc. Uh, he was out of the car early anyway, that's for sure. Uh, Hamilton has done 106. Grosjean's on 119. Uh, Bottas on... Almost 70. That's what I'm going to say. Uh, people asking in chat about Mercedes steering. We've, we've talked about that a lot uh, so far. I'm sure we'll touch on it again before the end of the stream, but um, we're, we're moving on from that for a bit. 
Um, and it's definitely the big talking point. That is for sure. Uh, that's, yeah, uh, just watching Vettel come through. I think they're all on long runs now. Vettel 2.4 seconds off Perez's time from this morning. So um, I, know, I know some keep asking in chat, what's up with Ferrari? But I think it is just taking it easy, bit of sandbagging, get the laps on the board they need to and all of that. So, uh, yeah, I think that's good. Um, was it you, Chris, that said you need to get off about half three? Yeah, I'm actually still good for uh, about another half an hour or so. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still good to okay. go. I'll keep an eye on the time, but uh, before you disappear, I might leave you two in charge of the chat for a couple of minutes and just go and uh, have a quick break. But I'll, I'll give it a few more minutes yet. Um, so, yeah, uh, while you're both there. I'm, just, I'm hoping we're going to get some pictures from GP today, but they've had some issues with their gallery today. Um, as soon as I can get some, I will put some in. But at the moment, we're stuck with uh, the ones from earlier. Aha! That was a noise. Uh, I think we got some, which is good. A lot of stuff uh, from the press conferences. They've got. Have you seen the way they're doing the press conferences? At testing, <laughs> like a chat show. <laughs> no, I haven't. How, how awkward did Kimi Raikkonen look? He, he just doesn't want to be there, does he? He's not <laughs> interested in the press stuff at all. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're just basically Jamie. They're just sat on a sofa. <laughs> really? <laughs> they're interviewing him. It's like the Graham Norton show. It's like what on earth? <laughs> Uh, there's a couple of pictures that I'll use. We'll get them in the stream. Why not? Um, let's save them to the right folder, though. What we got in chat as well. Um, nobody's had rich energy. <laughs> they haven't. Uh, that's from Cramron. Um, it's also Vettel's first session in this testing. It is indeed. Uh, I keep forgetting that was poorly uh, yesterday. Not feeling great this morning. So, um, Joe Hunt wants to know if we've ever tried Husky Chocolate or Rich Energy. Uh, no one know. What is it's husky chocolate or hot chocolate or a? I'm not sure. I've never seen it, but it's they're McLaren sponsors. But I've only heard of them since they started sponsoring McLaren, which I suppose is their aim. But yeah, never never seen it. In real... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I think the whole rich energy. Thing, I think about seven people on the planet have tried it. So um... I, I think I think rich energy is like Bigfoot. I mean, we've seen some sightings of it, but we don't really know if it's really real. <laughs> I think that there were some people who uh, claimed that it was basically Red Bull. Because <laughs> uh, I think it was made, I think it's made in Austria, which ma which makes the whole we are a British company thing even funnier. Uh, right. It's like, well, you're clearly not. Well, you may be a British company, but your product isn't all British. Um, I mean, what is? Let's be honest. Uh, but yeah, got to be honest, I'm glad they're gone. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> yeah. What a disaster that was. I mean, it was. It started off funny, didn't it? Really, it was. It was all a bit of fun. We thought, oh, I think they're just playing with this, and then it just. You know, there's there's airing your dirty laundry in public, <laughs> and then there was that mess. It was absolutely ridiculous, um, and I'm kind of glad they've got. I assume William Story's still in charge of the Twitter feed. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I haven't I think... ever followed them, so luckily, don't see much of them anymore. They used to follow me, but I blocked them because I got bored of them. Um, but I think, aren't they sponsoring a bike team now? Is it OMG Racing? They still sponsor West Ham women's team as well. Oh, God. <laughs> so they're still kicking around <laughs> a bit. I think it's OMG. I'll have a look in a bit. Uh, to whack these pictures in. But I'm sure that they're, they're sponsoring somebody in bike racing, uh, which made me laugh. Um 
Yeah. Uh, I've had rich energy, and it is Red Bull. There's no difference whatsoever. That's Andrew Taylor. There you go. I'll take that as gospel, mate. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 to me, all energy drinks pretty much taste the same anyway. Just sugar. <laughs> That's essentially what they right. are. Uh, it is. It's British Superbikes. Thank you very much, Biker Gaming. Um, and it was an OMG. Thank you very much. Uh, I knew I'd read it somewhere. Um, I, t- I tell you what, the chat today, um, we're getting a, a very specific type of bot in here um, a lot. Um, and I don't know what attracts them to the term testing commentary. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was particularly erotic in its titling, but apparently <laughs> it is. There we go. Um, anyway, yes. Um I've done the order, haven't I? So we don't need to do that one again. Um, thank you very much again to everyone who's contributed. I always keep saying it because I do forget at the end. Uh, looking at Roman Grosjean. Career best finish, second US Grand Prix 2013 uh, is the stat on screen. Uh, that has looks good as well on track, that livery. I, I know it is still, I mean, I think it, it is still technically grey, but it definitely looks more white. Um, and I do like that with the little flashes of red. Just make it look a bit more like a Ferrari, you know? Yeah, <laughs> back to all their roots. They started off with delivery quite like that, but it's nice to see it back without the uh, the rich energy <laughs> livery that they stuck on the car for a bit. It's a nice looking car, but then last year's Ferrari was a nice looking car, so um, it's going to be. But do you think I, I, I'll throw it to you first, Chris? But I kind of asked Dan this. He doesn't think Grosjean will be around next year. Do you think Hass will make a change in their lineup for 21 or? I know it's really early to ask that question because they might absolutely smash it this year between them, but or literally in some cases. But do you think they'll still be sticking with that lineup? I, I think Magnussen will still be at the team. I, I think Magnussen's probably got a good future at, at Haas for for the next couple of years. I think that Grosjean is probably on the hot seat coming into 2020. I, for me, he'll have to have a really good season with no mistakes and solid performances in order to get him back for 2021. But I think that if you're Haas, I mean, Grosjean's been with the team now for a couple of years. You haven't really gotten spectacular performances from him. And when the car's been a little bit better, he's made some pretty clumsy mistakes. Now, he's still a good driver. I mean, he scored podiums back in his Lotus days, but you might need to look elsewhere. I know we talked earlier about possibly getting an American driver, which would be good for Haas. It, it kind of all depends on what Haas's future is in Formula One. If they're here for long term, you know, do they want to maybe get uh, an American driver for, for sponsors and, and for the brand? I don't know, but I think that I would probably, if Grosjean has a lackluster year, would make, look at making a change. Grosjean's a weird one, isn't he? He's 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 clearly got or has had talent in there. Um, I mean, he did he did well in the Lotus, but I I do I would say Jamie, it's last chance saloon. But frankly, I thought last year was last chance saloon. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, he didn't and he's still in that car. I feel like we forget a little bit. Um, he was actually decent at the first few years of Haas, but. Like 2018, it felt like was sort of the, the the moment when it fell apart a bit, but he's still hanging on quite somehow. Uh, but if he has a good season, then like realistically, they had the opportunity to take anyone last season, and they didn't. They stay with Grosjean. So if they're going to stay with him last year, then they're probably going to stay with him again. I feel like unless um, I don't know, I I can kind of see the Red Bull like system kicking out one of their drivers, uh, probably Kvyat, if I'm honest, because they want to get the Japanese driver, um, Sonoda. If he does well enough to, they want to get him in. So that could leave the likes of Kvyat um, or even like Gazi Rabin if they do really badly. 
uh, to look, be looking for a seat. And if any of them are up, then I don't see why Haas would turn them away. I think I could see Kvyat in a Haas. Yeah, yeah. It'd be a natural move, wouldn't it, with a Ferrari, Ferrari tie? Yeah. Um, and I think Marco is more likely to back Gasly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, again. So. Yeah. Um, Aaron Evans, thank you for your contribution very much indeed. Says a pub in Sligo Island has rich energy mixer. I was surprised seeing it in real life. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So it does exist. We have confirmation. Right, it's only taken a year, uh, and I finally got that confirmation. Great stuff. So I think a lot of people are trying. <laughs> to be fair, uh, we'll poke fun at it. But yeah, I think Fiat. Oh, could Kvyat and Magnus would be... Oh, no, because Kvyat, he's grown, hasn't he, as Danny? He's not hes not the torpedo he once was. As Peter, you know, one incident and he gets Chris in the torpedo. Um, but, yeah, I think... I could see him there. I think he'd be a good option for Haas, but I'm, I kind of think they'd want to get an American driver in or somebody from North America, uh, which is why I think... I don't know. I know last year in 2019, I suggested Alex Rossi to come in mm. for 2020 for Haas, but obviously it didn't happen. But Alex Rossi, he's had some F1 experience, really good IndyCar driver. So he would probably be the lead American, I would think. But I just think for Haas to have an American driver for your American team would would be a good place to start, at least. <laughs> I think, I, I mean, it'd be kind of cool if like every team had a driver of their nationality. So Williams have got Russell, um, you know, Ferrari could have an Italian in there or it'd be great marketing wise, but uh, I think teams like Haas could do with that. Help to raise a profile as well. But like, like someone yeah. said in chat, who's coming through American driver wise? I can't even think of any yes. drivers that are on the F2 grid who are American this year. Might be wrong about that and it's not been fully finalized yet, but yeah, I can't think of any, I don't think. Yeah, of course, there's a lot of, I mean, IndyCar guys, like, I, I follow IndyCar over here as well. So there's a lot of sort of young or up-and-coming American drivers, but are they F1 ready or are they F1 capable? I don't know, but not really any American racing driver that's kind of in Europe right now that is kind of on the brink of Formula 1. I, I honestly can't think of any off the top of my head. Just had a quick look, and there's none in F2 this year, but there's one American driver in F3. Who is Logan Sargent? Who oh, of course, is the yeah. Prima. So he he could do a good job on F3. He's only 19, so could have a shot in a few years maybe. But depends how well he does, really. As long as he doesn't get fast tracked in because he's American. Like like I I don't want Mick Schumacher to get fast tracked to F1 because his name's Schumacher. Um, right. He needs you know Sargent and Schumacher and people like that need to make it to F1 when they're ready. Um, or you could argue, in Lance Stroll's case, when the, the checkbook is big enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... Mm, I, I, it's a concern that they're rushing people through, but um, I think a lot of teams looking at the future now, aren't they? And they're taking drivers younger and younger because, and that's why they have these driver programs because they know that if you can get a, a good talent like a Max Verstappen, you've got a driver to build around for 15, 20 years. Absolutely. Who's more likely, that's why they... do you reckon, to win a title this year if it's not Hamilton? Do you reckon Leclerc versus Verstappen? What, are we taking Hamilton like out of the Mercedes completely? or Just, I'll take Mercedes Just... out of the equation. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would say Verstappen. 
I feel like Red Bull are better than Ferrari, to be honest. And they've got more recent experience of winning world championships. And they just seem to be able to run their own team a little bit better than Ferrari can. I don't know. I get that impression. And obviously, they don't have to focus on two drivers crashing into each other. They've got like a very secure yeah. one, number one and number two. Whereas Ferrari don't really have that, which you wouldn't normally think of Ferrari having two equal drivers, but they do at the minute. So I, I think Red Bull are in a better place to win a championship at the minute than Ferrari are. What do you reckon, Chris? Do you agree with that? Or do you think Leclerc's got a shot? No, I, I would agree with Jamie. I think it's definitely Verstappen and Red Bull at the moment. Ferrari really haven't shown anything that would make you feel confident in them being able to challenge through 22 races this season or 21, depending on what happens with China. But I think that Red Bull just work much better together as a team. And the car is the only X factor here. I think Max is ready to win right now. He's shown it in the last couple of seasons. He's ready to challenge Hamilton. He just needs the car. And uh, until Ferrari can pull it together race after race, I've I, I put my faith in them too much in the last couple of years, and they've just disappointed me every single time. So I would definitely go with Red Bull and Max. Uh, Sue, Sue made a good point in chat, um, similar to what you are saying, Jamie, um, in that Verstappen's teammate won't take points off him. Uh, Leclerc's got Vettel to battle, hasn't he? Yeah, 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 definitely. And also, I just feel like the elite extra years experience Verstappen has makes him right now a better driver than Leclerc quite comfortably. Oh, yeah, I said this yesterday as well. The staff has been around for what feels like forever now, and he's everyone's seen him as the next new world champion. Um, it, it'd be insane to think that Leclerc could just come in and go, nope, and do it before him. <laughs> um, I, I can imagine it's not going to go down well in, in the Netherlands. That happened, but uh, F1's so much about the car now. If that Ferrari's better than the Red Bull, then... Leclerc probably has the better shot, but I, I'm just looking forward to seeing those two fight each other over the next few years. To be honest, I, I, yeah, that, that's a great rivalry. If we get more of what we saw last year at, at Silverstone, but I think people also underestimate Vettel a little bit. And if you remember back to Russia last year with the whole team order drama and how Vettel didn't necessarily want to give back the position that easily, if the car is a little bit better and Ferrari are going to be challenging Mercedes, they're going to have a real problem on their hands because both of their drivers are capable of winning races. And like Jamie said in some of the comments as well, at Red Bull, I think Max is really the only guy at the moment that's going to be capable to win races at every single Grand Prix weekend. Um, Atish said, Ferrari haven't been talked about enough yet. We talked about them for a while earlier. Um, but I, well, I, I, your comment came up under another one I was going to read, actually, so it's kind of well-timed. Um, are you two together? <laughs> Did you plan that? Uh, from Hugh, who said, but what about the B-spec Ferrari set to appear second half of testing? Uh, good point. I forgot to mention that yesterday, actually, that um, a lot of this talk about Ferrari perhaps not on the pace, this sort of irrelevant in a way for this week because next week they're bringing their second their second car, all the aero updates and whatnot, a B-spec car, as it's worded there. So really, I suppose this week for Ferrari is just about getting the miles on the clock, if you like, and then next week they'll be really going for it. Um, sorry, I just got me excited in commentary there for some reason. I don't know why uh, they were shouting at something. But yeah, anyway, um, yeah, I think next year's a more next week's a more important week for Ferrari than this week is. Uh, so I don't think we can read too much into what anybody's doing, but certainly not Ferrari. They are. I will confidently predict now, Ferrari are not. Um, what are we looking at? A second slower than Sergio Perez. 
<laughs> no, not a chance. Uh, so we'll see you next week for Ferrari. Um, I think they, like I said, it's probably just about mileage to a point. I mean, they're about to go through 100 now. Uh, Mercedes, by the way, are on the brink of 200. Uh, Bottas, 77 laps. Hamilton, 106. That is ridiculous uh, how yeah. much mileage they do in testing. So there's a lot of confidence there. Uh, but I, I think your order's still going to be Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull in... They're still going to be a top three, aren't they? So, yeah, I think so. Definitely, like the gap was still really big. You don't see any teams really making it up over one winter, but you never know if uh, Racing Point or Renault if they've actually got their acts together. Then perhaps, but I'd be surprised. I think another thing for Ferrari and what might be the reason why they're sort of a little bit more quieter this year in testing is if you look at the problems that they had last year, one lap pace was pretty good for them in qualifying. Of course, Leclerc had the most poles. So they might be just putting more effort into race simulation in this first week of testing. They had issues with front tire warm up and keeping the temperature there. So maybe they're just trying to work out more of their race pace because that's where they really suffered last year. So they might not be concerned with one lap pace they might just be working on the long runs and the setup of the car for high speed corners low speed corners and, and i think that's where ferrari's focus is which is probably why they're so farther down on the timesheets uh no worries atish just said i i, I presume das has been discussed as well yeah we've we've been over that but what i will actually say on that to be fair uh, somebody asked earlier and i completely forgot to answer it it's just you've just reminded me um about bottas yesterday and whether he was doing it, and nobody's picked up on it. As far as I know, he wasn't doing that yesterday. Um, so that's as far as I know. I, I didn't remember seeing anything on any on boards. I think if he was doing it yesterday, I think people would have picked up on it and we'd have had all the fuss yesterday. So as far as I know, no, he wasn't. It's something we spotted today or that's been done today. Um, and I think the fact that Mercedes, it's, it's obviously legal because I don't think Mercedes will be showing it like that if it wasn't legal. Um, but yeah, um, are you two all right just to answer a couple of comments while I just nip off for a very quick break? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. I'll be as quick as I can. So if you've got any just questions, actually... then please send them in the chat. We'll answer them as well as we Yeah, I was just going to throw in a, a comment about the, the whole Mercedes uh, DAS system. And yeah, it's interesting why they didn't show it yesterday, but, they, but they're but bringing it out today. I'm wondering what the reasoning behind that is. Yeah, it's a bit strange because they wouldn't have changed anything between yesterday and today. But maybe it was just that they didn't want to drop the bombshell of having this innovative new steering wheel on the first day, maybe. But it is a bit strange. Maybe they want to grab the headline today too, rather than day one, it might have got brushed over a little bit more. But you never know what it is. Right. Yeah, I'm just uh, quickly reading a tweet out here. This, uh, I think, is from a, a German auto build. Uh, the, uh, the German article here says, Red Bull thinks that the DAS system is not legal. Helmut Marko said, if you actively change the toe of the wheels while driving, the contact surface of the tire changes, and thus, even in a very, very low range, the ground clearance. So this whole, uh, this whole steering wheel system, the, definitely the argument's not over. Yeah, and I'm sure it would define the season, certainly the first half of the season. Like, the the big teams will be trying to get it banned for as long as they can, really, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, interesting. I'm, I'm wondering if it'll come out 
or if Mercedes will say anything as to why they didn't run it the first day. And we'll have to check out in the next couple of days if they're going to run it tomorrow and next week as well. I imagine they'll just stick with it now if they if they're going to commit to it for the season. Then there's no point hiding it at this point. Everyone sort of knows what it is, so they'll probably stick with it from here onwards. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely interesting. It's it's very very interesting to see how it's going to play out. Um, all right, let's see some of these questions here. Oh, here's an interesting one. Do you think the junior formula should have a cost cap too, considering to get 40 points, it costs a lot now? I think they, they pretty much do have the cost cap, because obviously in F2 and F3 at least, the, the cars are stock. Like cars are all manufactured by the same companies, and they just right. give them to the teams and let them run with it. But there's not much difference that the teams can really do other than like the setup of the cars and everything, which doesn't cost any money. That's just how we set it up. So I feel like they... I don't think spending is that big of an issue in the lower categories, but perhaps, I don't know, maybe employing the drivers, if you're paying drivers way too much in the lower categories, then that could be unfair. But other than that, I don't really know where the main costs would be, uh, especially the cost differential from one team to another. Like, they've got all the same cars, all the same equipment that are given to them by the FIA, so I'm not sure how much of a price differential there is between the different teams in F2 and F3. Yeah. Would you, would you want to see something like that in Formula 1 where all the cars are, are pretty much standardized and, and the teams don't really have much of a say in it. It's almost like the FIA just hands them the car and says, only thing you can change are, are the tires and the driver that you put in the cockpit. Not at all. I, I think the innovation and the the team sport aspect of it is one of the most attractive things about Formula 1. Like We wouldn't have be having this discussion about the Mercedes steering wheel system if all the steering wheels were the same. Like I, I think the innovation and the, the genius people in the factories like working stuff out and uh, applying them to the cars is one of the main drawing uh, main factors of Formula 1 that's really attractive. So mm -hmm. if they were to get rid of that and hand everyone a stock car, that'd be really bad, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, another question on uh, live chat here from Breezy. How soon do you think it would take other teams to integrate the DAS system if it is legal and proves to be a big competitive advantage? I know I just mentioned at the top of the stream that Racing Point said it would take them probably around six months or so to be able to integrate the system. Now, a team like Ferrari and Red Bull that have a lot more money and more development might be able to do it quicker, but it doesn't seem like it's something that you can necessarily just put right on the car right away and it'll work. Yeah, no, we're saying, like you were saying, the six month might be a little bit of exaggeration and also six months from now is what summer break really. And there's only like eight more races after that. So our team's really going to, um, spend all the time money on effort on putting that onto their car rather than just focusing on the season after, especially if it's a massive right. advantage, then like it's sort of a write-off if you don't have it from the start, really. I'm sat here listening and I really want to just go, boo! <laughs> 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 uh, thank you for that, guys. Um, appreciate that. I was, I've, just, I've just been on Twitter as well. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, Helmut Marco, if you actively change the toe of the wheels while driving, the contact surface of the tyres changes, and thus, even if a very, very low range, uh, the ground clearance, and this is prohibited because the system then corresponds to the operation of an active suspension, which is not allowed. So Red Bull think DAS is illegal. Yeah, we the did go over that while yep. you were gone. That's but... fine, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I mentioned it just in case, but yeah. Um, plot thickens on that one. Do we trust Helmut Mark? <laughs> No. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> he was the one that told us they'd keep Gasly in the seat, so maybe not. 
yeah, I did a video on the Tuesday saying that how Marco said that he was safe for now, and then two days later, I'm doing a video that gas has been replaced. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. I was reading through Twitter, a lot of mentions on there. Uh, people asking about Imola possibly returning. I, I don't know what you guys think about that. I, I think we all kind of agree. Um, or, or you two might not, but the, the, the right thing to do is to postpone China. Um, this Imola thing, do you reckon it's just a bit of pipe dreaming, Chris? I mean, it, even the, the circuit organisers have said it's mission impossible. I mean, we'd love to see a classic track back, but a bit short notice, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And I, I saw the rumors as well, too. But then when you go into the article, the, the organizers like, well, it's going to be almost impossible to do. So I'm not sure why it, it made so many headlines. I, they just threw it out there. So I, I don't really think it would be possible to even have it at a different track. Either you postpone the Chinese Grand Prix and you do a, a shortened weekend like they suggested already, or you just cancel it all together and make it a 21 race calendar. I think it's pretty hard to just try and organize a, a race at a circuit that's not being regularly used for formula one yeah i, th yeah. I, th I think the fact the old guys have basically said no <laughs> despite yes. applying uh, what do you reckon jamie also like the the gap where china is now vacating is like end of april is it or just, it's it somewhere around that time it? yeah so there's no way that a car a track is going to be like up to scratch to host an f1 race in two months and also that they'll sell any kind of a good amount of tickets in two months as well like we saw i remember when when kota was coming into sport they announced it like in 2010 and it was like not ready for at least one full year and then it was barely ready for like most of 2012 as well i feel like it was quite a, a rush job at the end but it takes a long time to get these circuits up to scratch so yeah i don't, I don't see any any circuit replacing barring perhaps like germany because that one is literally ready to go already. But so it won't replace it in April. I think if they do replace it, it'll be later in the season. Or just bring China back later in the season if the situation has uh, died down a little bit. Yeah, I suppose the trouble is, if you, if you were to say, let's say Imola happens, or Sepang by magic, um, decide they're going to host a race in April, and then they reschedule China as well, that's a 23-race season all of a sudden. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, James Howe in chat um yeah i've seen your messages don't worry um if you want to send me an explanation feel absolutely free um the paypal information below that is the email address for the channel as well so if you want to send an email over if it's easier than popping it in chat that's fine um i might not be able to get to it today but we can also we can discuss it tomorrow um as well so if you want to do that that's absolutely cool so it's email address down below with the paypal information um they're just interviewing on tv at the minute charles leclerc or as i'm calling him this year if you're autosport you'll know what i mean uh, salmon and vegetables. Uh, <laughs> uh, I know I sh you should do that with people's accents. I know, but it was quite funny when he said it. I was like, "What the hell is salmon and vegetables?" I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." There we go. Sorry, um, bless him. Actually, uh, sorry to cut you off. Just on Charles Leclerc, I, I was just reading a tweet. Um, this is from uh, an account on Twitter at Vettel Leclerc about uh, a new clutch paddle on Leclerc's steering wheel. I know we're talking a lot about steering wheels today. But uh, they've sort of uh, created a case for, for the fingers on the clutch paddle, which is completely different from last season when it was completely flat. flat. So just kind of interesting that they've uh, done a little bit of a modification to, to the clutch paddle on the steering wheel. Yeah, just on steering wheels as well. Um, 
Sorry, I was looking at a picture there, so he sent me. Um, yeah, th th they got the Mercedes into the pits and they literally took the steering wheel off the second it stopped. Um, <laughs> so they are proper secretive about that. Um, it's going to be, I just think the whole thing's going to be fascinating in the next few weeks, uh, next few days and weeks. Uh, see what's going on. Um, F1 debrief over on Twitter. Awesome to follow if you want your stint lengths and laps and whatnot. Bottas on the C2 on his third race sim stint. Uh, 19.5, 20.4, 21.6, 19.3, 20.6, 22.0, 19.9, 19.9, 20.4 and in. So pretty good stint there. Much more consistent on his second stint. A lot of 21.3s and 21.4s in there. Um, again, like I said, that was one of the concerns from people yesterday was that his pace wasn't just good. It was consistently good. Um, I think Mercedes are looking very promising which is it's going to upset a lot of non-Mercedes fans for this year if we're not going to watch now until 2021. Um, do not take what I say as gospel, for God's sake. Probably the best season I've ever seen a Mercedes at 10th or something like that. So um, some good stuff there. Uh, not a lot of changing timing-wise. Perez still the fastest. Uh, 116 laps. Um, Albers now 108. Gasly 131. Russell 101. So that is one, two, three, four teams through the 100 already. Um, just on that, Vettel's on 52, Leclerc did 49, that's now uh, over 100. Mercedes are, surely they've got to be there now, very nearly 200. Bottas in the pits though, and the garage door's apparently coming down, so um, he might not be out again. Uh, that was the last information on Twitter. Ocon's done 31 laps this afternoon. Do you know what, actually, with Norris doing 123, Raikkonen 116 and Grosjean 140, um, I'm tempted to say Renault have only done what is that 72 laps i know they had their problems this morning but um see, see teams like renault and mclaren to me need the laps but mercedes don't and there they are at nearly 200 and you've got renault down on 72 so um won't read too much into it obviously it's only testing but i hope they get some more laps in over the next few days uh, and show some good pace i'd like to see renault in the fight i don't know what you two think I'd like to see them challenging the top three like they keep saying they're going to. I'd like to see uh, all all ten teams very close to the mm. fight, but I don't think it's going to happen. But I'd, I'd be surprised if I don't make the step forward that they keep saying they're going to make. But having followed them quite closely for the last three years, all they seem to do is let people down. So I don't know. I'd be a little <laughs> bit surprised. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I think Renault's probably the team that consistently irritates me the most. So... If they don't do well this year, I guess that's good because there'll be a lot to rant about. But I do hope for their sake that they can at, at least challenge McLaren for best of the rest or whether it's racing a point. But just the way they started off this season with the, the fake car launch that they had, I, I for a second thought that they weren't even going to have a car ready for testing. Mm. So I'm not exactly sure what that whole launch was about. Um, you know that that's all internal i guess for them and how they wanted to do it but good news that they at least had a car to present at testing but they're a team that just frustrates me the most being as big a manufacturer as they are and being a works team and just consistently being disappointing it's a shame because Renault's another legendary f1 team who've won multiple world championships and they're just coming so short of that now well this i mean cyril abibel said that they didn't show a car at the launch because number one parts were still being put together and ready for shipping and it was in bits but also because they didn't want to present a fake show car for people like me <laughs> for example <laughs> to sit and try and pick them apart and i was like do you know what i kind of appreciate that 
And then I thought about it, and they showed fake renders of a fake car with a fake livery. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it, it kind of yeah, you conflicting messages there, Cyril. It it really did piss me off because like we went to the Racing Point launch last year and we drove a solid five hours in a snowstorm to go to that car launch and we saw a real car. Now, granted, it was the 2018 car with some modifications, but there was still a real live Formula One car there. So you can imagine like members of the media that maybe traveled a couple hours to this launch and all they saw was a Microsoft PowerPoint presentation of a car that doesn't even exist. Bizarre. Because that's that was my thing on um, Twitter the other day. Like people complaining about the Ferrari launch. I was like, well, at least they're doing something. Um, but then at the same time, I kind of I like the way Williams revealed their car this year because they they just sent a video out, turned you know switched the engine on basically, uh, made some noise yeah. and showed the car off. I quite like that. But also, you know, you don't have to have the circus like Ferrari did. You don't have to have a bizarre fashion show <laughs> like Alphatori had but you know do something rather than just some crap renders that you can't even work out yeah um, uh, I'll tell you what I really enjoyed McLaren's launch I think it was hmm. short and sweet to the point it was a quick intro they rolled out the car right away just a couple of words from the drivers and that was it you know I, I really enjoyed McLaren's launch I think if, if you're gonna I think it was Stuart that said this on Twitter. It might have been Hazel, actually. It was one of the two. Um, if you're going to put or stream your car launch on platforms like Twitter and YouTube, where, with respect to everybody, and we're all guilty of it, attention spans aren't always the best. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be to the point. And I think what Ferrari and co. could have done is get the covers off the car and then have all the interviews, like McLaren did, kind of what you were saying there, Chris, that they've shown the car, so those that just want to see the car can go, all right, I'm done. But then right. those that want to hear what Zach Brown, Lando Norris, Norris and Carlos Sainz have got to say can stick around and watch that. Because um, otherwise, because I think, I think the Ferrari launch, viewers just started plummeting because people are on board now. <laughs> um, and I'm saying one as well with the 50-minute interview and then 10-minute ad break. It was just was really boring. For a livery that was <laughs> yeah. in a badly lit room with a terrible carpet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm no interior car, yeah. designer. But yeah. They just released their livery on the on the racing point from this year. So, Yeah. Basically, and look, like, that is true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much what it was. But I think the, the launches for me are getting irrelevant now. I mean, next year we're all going to be excited to see what these 2021 car looks like, Who, who's who gone in a different direction. But even then, if someone's come up with a double diffuser style solution, that's not going to be on the launch car. They're not going to want people to see that. So right. um, I do think that they're kind of irrelevant now. And it, it's great. You know, it builds hype. I enjoy doing the content around it, for example, because you, you get excited yourself because this is our first glimpse of, of the new season. But then after a couple, you realize it's entirely pointless because the cars aren't going to look like this at testing. Most of them are last year's car with a new livery on. I mean, that McLaren, you know, they did a good launch, but that's not the same McLaren that was on that stage. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good marketing thing. And like you said, it brings good excitement. But again, I can appreciate Ferrari and Alpha Tauri's launch, and everybody's a bit different. Like for me, the fashion show, like I'm not a fashion person. So to me, that just it wasn't interesting at all but i do appreciate the effort that 
Ferrari went to and that Alpha Tauri went to to release the car in such a kind of uh, extravagant way. But I, for me personally, it was just a little bit too much. And, you know, Haas was probably like the most simplest car launch of all. They just posted it to Twitter and they were done. Yeah. I was checking. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe they'll make more of a fuss next year. And I know there was talk of, I think Liberty Media wanted to get all 10 teams together and launch all the cars at the same time on the same day in the same place. Um, the, I think I'd be up for that. I think it'd be cool. The problem is these events are less now for showing off the new car and more for showing the sponsors on the car. Yeah, and complete um, sponsor pandering almost. Yeah. So if they get them all together, they have a lot less control about what they can do and the teams would be very hesitant to agree to that, I feel like. It's, you know, a, a company that sponsors Renault aren't going to want their car at a launch sat next to another person's car who has a rival sponsor on there. Yeah, good point, yeah. It'd be great for us as fans, like a massive proper show event that we can all tune into for an hour, but... I, like Jamie said, I can't see teams agreeing to it, so we'll see. But they yeah, can't be like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it could be like the Alpha Tauri launch, and instead of models coming out in jackets, you just have F1 cars <laughs> one after another coming round and round, just driving circles with really weird hairstyles. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, I don't know how much you saw of it, but I, I did wonder what the magnetic field was like around. Because <laughs> all the hair was pulling one way, that was for sure. <laughs> I unfor I unfortunately had to watch it live, so I saw it all. I saw the weird handbags. Which, by the way, did anybody notice that the models did not carry the handbags by the handles? Did anybody else notice that? I wasn't watching, so I, I couldn't can't tell honestly you. say I did. This. <laughs> but I, I'm going to go and have a look now. Um, you might have paid too much attention, Grace. <laughs> I think I was. And I was talking about it in our last podcast. I'm like, did anybody notice how they were just grabbing the bags in weird <laughs> positions? I'm like, there are handles on these things, people. Grab them by the handles. That's why they're there. So, yeah, I, I watched too much of it, I guess. I, I mean, I watched it all, and it was it was amusing. But, um, I, yeah, I'd never – I will look for a clip. <laughs> um, and I shall be equally as outraged. Use your handles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right um, uh, and Annette just saying that um, some fans would moan I remember when the Spice Girls uh, yeah yeah Jamiroquai and the Spice Girls all in the same launch for McLaren <laughs> yeah <laughs> thrilling stuff 97 possibly C couldn't um, tell you I wasn't, I wasn't born back then so you know oh, Jamie no don't do this man <laughs> <laughs> Um, what time are we at? Uh, four o'clock. Are you all right, Chris, or do you need to? I, I'm still good to go. I'm, I'm here till uh, I'm here till the end. Awesome good. stuff. Um, I'll do a quick run through the order then, as kind of pointless it is at the moment. Uh, we're watching Lando Norris, I think, um, having been off track. He's going to be yep. Yeah. Um, all right though, car's fine. Still no red flag with an hour to go. Wow. Um, but Sergio Perez, 123 laps at the moment. Uh, that's a satisfying number, one, two, three. Uh, 117.347. Kimi Raikkonen in second on a 1735. 122 laps. He's coming for your Checo. Um, he's still out there at the moment. Both drivers are actually. Yes, they are Raikkonen on an outlap. Um, Daniel Ricciardo, 117.749. 41 laps for him. He's in the P. 
pits um, because he's not driving this afternoon, Sean, wake up. Uh, 117.9 for Alex Alban, 111 laps for him. Uh, Pierre Gasly, 118-121 in fifth place, 133 laps. George Russell in sixth, some more very good running for Williams, 118.266 at 107 laps. Vettel, 54 laps. Um, 118.273 Leclerc in this morning 118.335 with 49 laps Lewis Hamilton did 106 laps this morning a 118.387 Lando Norris has done 127 now uh, just been off track 118.4 Roman Grosjean also a 118.4 146 laps I keep getting surprised when I get to Rogro's lap count Uh, and Esteban Ocon is back out on track on a 118.557 35 laps and Bottas did 77 this morning Bottas, I mean, Bottas is still in the garage. They've pulled the doors down, I think. So they've got the floor off. That was the rule this morning. Um, I got confused. It's not mechanical issues as such. Um, they are only, they're only allowed to bring the garage doors down or put the screens across if they've got the floor off the car. So there are bits coming off that car, basically. Interesting. Yeah, but then teams will, <laughs> I'm sure at some point they'll just take the floor off so they can get rid of the, they can bring the screens down and then do whatever they want with the screens down. But I don't know if any teams actually go to that level of effort just to bring, just to hide what they're doing. I mean, if they turn the cameras off, you can say you've taken your floor off. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Can we come check your car? Oh, no, 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 the floor's off. Blocking the door. Um, Yeah, I mean, mean, I'm glad the screens have gone for this year. I think it's great. If they're going to televise it, the screens had to go because you have to be able to see what's going on. However, as Ferrari have shown, if you've got enough staff, there are plenty of ways to cover that car. You don't need a screen. Uh, it was a six in front of it yesterday at one point. You know, human shields, basically. There you go. A couple of people uh, mentioning Williams being ahead of a Ferrari. Let them uh, Definitely let them enjoy it. I'm, I'm really quite positive <laughs> for them. Um, the car looks tidy. There's been a lot of good talk from Russell about it. Um, the pace, you know, remember last year, I know, again, it's only testing, but they did rock up four or five seconds off the pace when they eventually arrived. They're, they've got good times. They're getting the mileage in. It's good stuff. Even if, I, I still think that they're going to be 10th this year. I, I don't think they're going to make a big jump, but if they're 10th, but a couple of tenths off the rest of the midfield, that is huge progress for Williams this year. Um I'm kind of, I've got to be honest. I'm I'm rooting for them, Jamie, this year. I really am. I, w- I want to see the underdog bounce back. Yeah, and I feel like the the testing times, at least, although we can't read too much into them, like Russell's time is literally a lot faster than what they did in qualifying last year. So it's progress is definitely there. I just don't know quite how much because it could be that they're running at full pace and everyone else is one and a half seconds off their like true pace. But <laughs> that would be pretty tragic right. for Williams. But um. Yeah, I would like to see him do well. Obviously, Russell has got a lot of potential. It'd be nice for him to be able to show it. And Latifi, also fresh start, like new chance to show that he's got something uh, worth giving because like, he's been in F2 for like four years and never won the title, but got reasonably close last year. But I feel like a lot of people writing off, writing him off before he's even started. It would be nice to see him do quite well. But we'll have to wait and see how they do. Hopefully, they, they are able to show at least some... Uh, some of their true talent rather than just being hampered by a car that's three seconds off the pace. Um, George Russell's fastest time in qualifying last year in Spain was a 119.0. He's on a 118.2 this year. 
Yeah, he did an 18-1 yesterday as well in testing. Yeah. So, and I know yeah. obviously compounds are different. Um, tires, I think the tires are the same, aren't they? Really, pretty much. But the the compounds they've got access to are different. Weather is different. Track temperature is different. So you can't really get too excited. But on paper, just looking at times and taking nothing else into account, um, they're basically a second quicker than they were in qualifying last year. And if if I'm not mistaken, I think he set that time yesterday on a harder compound, I believe it was the C3 or the C2 versus what would have been the C4, I think, last year in, in qualifying. It was a soft mm. compound in the qualifying. So, I mean, that that's reasonably good if they set, if they're almost a second quicker on a harder tire. Um, that, that's good signs for Williams. Now, the question is, if Williams makes an eighth or nine tenths of a gain, will that be enough to still compete with the likes of Alfa Romeo and, and Haas in front of them who have maybe gained a couple of tenths upon where they were last year. So I, I think I agree with you that they're still going to be 10th, but they're going to be significantly better than they were last year. So scoring more points and, and maybe being able to, to get out of Q1 a lot more. They definitely improved last year, didn't they? Because they were, they were scrapping at times with Hassan Alfa Romeo towards the end of the season. Um, it would make sense that this car has just continued to evolve. Um, but as I keep joking, they couldn't really have been much worse, could they? So yeah. Uh, I'm just looking. And, no, you, you go, you go, mate. I'm just scrolling as I. Yeah, yeah. I was just I was scrolling through Twitter. It was one interesting thing I wanted to get through, but also interesting now. Vettel on the softer tire, so interesting to see if he's on the C4 right now. So I'm not sure if he's going to go for a, a push lap. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if it's a low fuel. He's my stream is a bit bit behind, so three tenths off of Perez's time in sector one. So Ferrari might be trying to stretch their legs here a little bit near the end of testing, try and, try and set a faster lap time. I might try to find uh, Russell's out. I'm just having to scroll through F1 debrief to see if Russell's today. Um, but everybody but, by the look of it. Uh, Latifi, that would be a good... Um, I don't know what his best time was yesterday. Let's have a look at the... Let's pop it on very quickly. Uh, Latifi did a 118.382. Uh, so 118.3. And his stints yesterday, um, let's get rid of that one because that was his. So 19.2, and then a slowdown lap, then a 20.4, then a slowdown lap, 21.2, 21.3, 21.6. So relatively consistent uh, for Latifi there. Um, just on Latifi, actually. Actually, I'll do Russell first quickly. Uh, 118.1. Uh, it was on a C3 run, which was his best time, wasn't it? Yeah, so 118.1. Then it was 118.4, 122.8, 124, 120.5, uh, 120.2. So it's not they're not bad at all um, versus last year. I was just going to say on Latifi, and, you know, maybe it's the, I, I kind of, I sort of agree, Jamie, that people are writing him off, and I'd probably say that I'm guilty of that as well. But I, I quite like Latifi, and I think he could surprise a few people this year. But I kind of put the Mar the Markelov argument. Um, is there a reason why he was in F two so long before he got into Formula One? If if he was as good as perhaps some want him to be, wouldn't he have got into Formula One sooner and not have to use the to do it? Um, yeah, but then I, I suppose I that's the argument with a lot of drivers' grid, isn't it? Really? Yeah. <laughs> Like, if you're spending four years in F2 and the best you get is challenging for the title in your last year when the grid's kind of fully rookies, like, there might be a reason why you're not getting in sooner. I don't expect it to set the world alight, but I do I do hope it does well. Like, I think we do better than Kibitza yeah. does, definitely. 
I think Latifi's an interesting one because he started racing fairly late. Like a lot of these guys mm. start karting when they're seven or eight, but he started, I believe, when he was around 13 years old, 14 years old. So I think that's part of maybe the reason why he's a little bit of a late bloomer compared to George Russell and Lando Norris. But the other thing everyone has to remember is he's been doing a lot of free practice sessions the last two seasons. I mean, I started following him back in 2017 when he was with Force India, and he was getting a couple of FP1 sessions there, and he did a lot of free practice sessions for Williams the last two seasons. So I think that he's more ready for Formula One than a lot of people think. And I think that that experience of doing those free practice sessions will help him a lot early on this season. So, but I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm pulling for him a lot, um, you know, and talking to him. He's a great guy, really knowledgeable. Um, so hopefully that driver pairing for Williams will, will be really good this season. I hope so. I mean, the thing is as well, I mean, Annette's just said that uh, Nico Hulkenberg won everything in the junior category. Um, Mustaf, um, he, he was hugely successful before getting to Formula One. And he... <laughs> I can't say it. <laughs> the, the, the car was crap. That's the first thing. The power unit was terrible. He didn't have the best of luck. Um, and I think he deserves another shot. But he wasn't exactly brilliant, was he? was poor stuff. There were reasons, but he wasn't. So just because you have a good, successful junior career doesn't mean you're going to succeed in Formula One. Equally, just because you don't have a particularly stunning junior career, it doesn't mean you won't succeed in Formula One. So, yeah, like Max Verstappen never never yeah. actually won anything. Obviously, he didn't spend much time in the lower categories, but he was beaten to the F3 title by Ocon, I believe. So, And he's, he's doing all right for himself now. So. Max who? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Even like when you look at Lance Stroll, for example, I mean, he didn't do any F2. Um, I believe he did what was F3 at the time. I know he won a lot of races in that category. But, you know, first season in F1, gets a podium, gets a couple of good finishes. So, yeah, a lot of these drivers kind of take the, these different routes. But definitely junior success doesn't necessarily translate to success at the highest level. Uh, two questions from Atish, and I, I am going to read them both, but I... These are just my interpretations of an answer. If, if you guys want to correct me if I'm wrong, it's totally fine. Uh, but he says, we can't read into times between teams, but can we compare times within teams? I would say no, because, you know, Russell did an 18-1 and Latifi did whatever his time was, but we don't know which program each driver was running. Latifi might have had more fuel on board. He might have been on um, a different setup. They might have been doing different runs. Russell might have been doing, he might, you know, Russell could be two seconds a lap quicker than Latifi. Um, or Latifi could be a second a lap quicker than Russell. We, we, don't, we can't really compare in testing the times between teammates. It's probably easier to get a comparison, um, but you never know what program has been run when. So it's kind of difficult to do that. Um, the other question uh, was back to the B spec. Uh, that we've talked about a lot today, um, said, what's the point of bringing an A-spec to testing if you're going to be running a B-spec uh, throughout the season? This is the one I kind of don't know what you two think. I believe that is simply because if you run your A-spec week one and your B-spec week two, you can compare the two, work out which is doing better and which bit on which car is doing better, and then essentially get a final spec or pick a final spec for Australia. Yeah, we saw, it, um, we saw that last year with Mercedes. They, they mm. bought what they said was an awful midfield level car to the first week. And they were like, oh no, Ferrari going to win this season. And then the second week they rock up with the the much better, I think it's a new nose, nose design and new suspension and everything. 
and then suddenly they're top of the top of the field again. So, uh, yeah, the A and B spec. Obviously, they don't want to spend too much money developing two completely different cars when you're not going to use one of them. But if the car isn't quite ready, for, also with the, some of the lower teams might not have the 2020 car completely ready yet, then they bring last year's car with a few upgrades on for the first week just to get the laps on the board and the drivers back into the uh, the swing of things. I feel like. This is what's interesting with the whole Mercedes steering wheel thing is, first of all, will it work on all different types of tracks? Obviously, Barcelona has a good mix of low-speed corners, high-speed corners, but will it work in a street track, for example, like Monaco? So it's kind of interesting um, with the way that they're testing testing the parts and to see if it works. And, I mean, who knows? They might not even bring it to, to Melbourne, but I think it's not a bad idea if the teams have the opportunities to run two different kinds of specs of cars and then like you said to compare the data at the end before melbourne and then see which one they're going to go with yeah i mean there's obviously more to it than that isn't there than we know um but from sort of our point of view that's how i view it but i know ferrari got the b-spec next week mercedes i assume are going to bring a new aero package to the second test they tend to but they've already said curiously that there'll be no major changes between the second test and australia so we're not going to get next year, like last year where they turned up with a brand new car in Melbourne. We're not going to get that. So whatever Mercedes are doing next week is essentially what they've got. But um, if this week's anything to go by, <laughs> I think I think there are going to be some souls crushed uh, in Formula 1 very soon. Uh, but yep. yeah. It's just interesting. I'm, I'm scrolling through Twitter, just kind of jumping around in different topics. I know uh, in terms of new racetracks on the F1 calendar, Miami's been being thrown around. But apparently, press conferences, uh, this is coming from Thomas Marr on Twitter. Give him a shout out. Apparently, there's a press conference being held in Miami today to confirm Miami Gardens residents have filed a lawsuit against Formula One and the Hard Rock Stadium, which is where they want to hold the race. So for now, it's based on noise ordinances, but will also include environmental justice. So Miami GP looks like it's uh, still not 100% confirmed. Um, there's a lot of opposition going on there in Miami against that race. I, I just I think it's going to end up like the um, the New Jersey race they were going to have years ago now. I just don't think it's ever yeah. going to happen. Good point. I, I think it will be like happen. that. Um, I don't really get why they're so fixated on it either because no. we've got plenty of street tracks like tracks in cities now with like the likes of uh, Hanoi and Melbourne obviously people, uh, tracks like this so why have another one I don't know why they're, they're so desperate for a track in Miami I think it's just like a crazy party city and just so much money to be made yeah I suppose <laughs> it always comes out from money <laughs> in Formula 1 right <laughs> yeah. I, I just sort of there's so many good tracks in America. Go to one of them. You know? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I don't know. Well, I, well, they're doing it with, you know, a lot of other tracks around the world, too. You know, they've, there's so many legendary purpose-built racing tracks. But then they're building all these new street tracks, whether it's in Baku or I heard, you know, Saudi Arabia is proposing a race as well. So I, I'd love to see a return more to the classic tracks, whether we're talking about Hockenheim or, or the Nürburgring or some of the American ones like, you know, um, Watkins Glen or Laguna Seca, for example. So, oh, yeah. sorry, guys, I've got somebody in the wall that. Um, it's <laughs> oh, oh, <we're... laughs> is it Roman Grosjean? Oh, it's <laughs> it's Me... Roman Grosjean. Um, I don't know if he's hit the. You're kidding. It was Grosjean. He's out. He's out the gravel. So he's got going. Are we going to get away without a red flag? 
Um, there's damage to the back of that car. He's definitely hit his rear wing. Oh, he had to be Grosjean. <laughs> oh, the smugness on my face. I'm joking. Uh, we'll wait for a replay of that. It looks like oh. he's just gone in at turn four backwards. My stream just caught up. Forty minutes to go. No red flag as yet. It's all about what debris got back on the track, I guess, with gravel and things. Mm. Um, here we go. Replay. It is into. I think that's turn four. Uh, back end goes away. Round he goes, and ah, it's uh, nothing really. <laughs> he's nerfed the wall. I, th I think he, I'm sure he's damaged his rear wing. Yeah, the the right end plate on the rear wing's gone. So he'll have to. That'll be it for Haas today, definitely. That's his running done. He just, yeah, it's not a big accident or anything. He's, just, he's lost it. And yeah, he sort of tagged the wall. It's not a huge impact or anything. And then he's got out. Um, but yeah, first crash of testing. <laughs> Roman Grosjean. <laughs> I, of 100, 158 laps was too much to ask for today. Grosjean to do without incident. Yeah. I, I immediately went to Chris Medlin's Twitter page to see if he's going to post that red flag gif. But unfortunately, we couldn't get it. It looks like we're going to stay green. Um, I was just going to say, we were talking about racetracks in America. Uh, John T just shouted Barber in chat. I assume that's a racetrack and he's not had his hair cut. Um, that's right. But yeah. <laughs> Barber Motorsport Park. I believe uh, it's in Alabama, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Could be completely mm. off. Sorry, I was, just looking, I was looking at the damage there to Grosjean's car. Um, he, uh, you're right, Jamie, ain't getting out again. It'll take it'll take half an hour to change the rear wing, won't it? Without yeah, doing yeah. anything else, so <laughs> yeah. There there is a flood of I think Ericsson hit us comments coming through right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, to be fair to Groves, on 157 laps, it's a good it's a good outing. So even with the crash, he's still got the laps in they probably needed. So um, it's not a huge loss to Haas, but. See, this is what I was saying earlier where like, I'm concerned for Gunter Steiner's health. His blood pressure is probably <laughs> through the roof right now on the pit wall. Poor guy. I mean, I can't just the cameras have... cameras there, definitely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, when, you, when your stream catches up, you'll see the interesting face he just pulled uh, when he saw the incident. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not, not a big impact if you're not able to watch on TV. Uh, just kind of gone in at turn four. Back end's got... Uh, yeah, four. Back end's got away and he's tagged the wall. Uh, but he's okay. Car's... Damaged, not going out again, but like I say, 157 laps. There you go. I, I couldn't help but laugh then. I'm sorry. I, I, again, no genuine <laughs> issue with Grosjean. It's just to wind Dan up, but just of all the people that could have been the first to crash it. Had to be him. <laughs> uh, we're probably yeah. not the only ones who were thinking about it. No. I mean, we saw, was it, uh, which episode was it last year in Drive to Survive where I think the Renault engineers were like, well, I'd be surprised if Grosjean makes it through the first corner. Yeah, that was a Spanish Grand Prix one, wasn't it? Like, how many corners do Grosjean <laughs> crashes? <laughs> yeah. We've only got three cars out on track at the minute as well, Raikkonen and Albert and Vettel, so it's quiet, and somehow Vettel and Raikkonen have found each other on track. Um, not much happening really out there, to be honest. Um, I'll read you the laps quickly. Raikkonen is now fastest. I missed that, watching all the Grosjean fun. at one seventeen zero. So Alpha, champions confirmed. Um, 129 <laughs> for him, 131 for Perez, um, 121 for Albon, 120 for Gasly, 110 for Russell, 106 for Hamilton, 127 for Norris, 157 for Grosjean. So um, Ocon, has he been back out again yet? I think he did. Yeah, he went off at one point in turn three. I think it was just a reconnaissance lap. 
But yeah, I mean, on the track thing, um, I... I think we've got enough street tracks. We, we don't need a Miami. Um, for, Formula E are the street racers. Let them be the street racers. Um, it's not, you know, you don't have to keep on all purpose-built tracks. You know, keep Monaco and things like that. But, you know, Hanoi, we'll see how that is this year. But then there's talk of Miami and there's street race here and a street race there. And you've got some great tracks around the world. And I, yeah. I, just, I wish we were, right, you know, I know the owner of Sepanga keeps saying it because of this whole China thing. I know they don't want F1 and they can't afford it, but that's an incredible track. Um, the track in India is incredible. South Korea, fantastic race yeah. track. It's just a shame they can't get the fans to those tracks. Um, yeah. <laughs> Even Istanbul Park in some ways. like Yeah. A great track, yeah. I know politically it's poss- probably not possible at the minute in Turkey, but no, <laughs> there, there are so many great tracks around the world. They're just examples. So... Why are we trying to force a race in Miami when you could go to the list that Jonty's just put out? I'll read you some of them. Um, let's have a look. Where are you, Jonty? Barber, Watkins, Glen, Sebring, Daytona, uh, Laguna Seca, Road America, Road Atlanta. You know, there's so many great tracks in America. Let's use one of them instead of having to build a track around a bloody stadium that's going to upset a load of people in Miami. That you know, that's yeah. if you want to grow the reputation of F1 in Miami, probably the, in in the US. The, probably it's not the best first step to piss an entire city off is it <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously <laughs> yeah well and, and there's other tracks you know too like south africa has been one that's sort of been in conversation as of late um you know so many different ones that they could go to but yeah like some street tracks are get, are great like the new generation ones like baku has provided us with some exciting races but yeah, too much street tracks. It's it's not necessarily built for Formula One cars, and we have Monaco, which is the original street race, and that's great. But I would love to see a return to more of the classic tracks. Any one of those that that Jaunty mentioned, for example, w- would be excellent. Uh, people want a lot. You know, a lot of people when I do live streams and things are always talking about Kyle Army, and they really want a South African free again. Um, I suggested yeah. that the 92 South African Grand Prix was the first race I ever watched. So from a personal point of view, it'd be great to see that racetrack back. But um, I don't know what state of repair that's in. I assume it would need some work doing to it. Um, but that, that's the argument with Imola. They're on about wanting to host a race in April, but they're then saying, well, we need to, we need to build this and we need to do that. And you're like, well, come on then. We've only got like eight weeks. <laughs> yeah. <Crack laughs> yeah, seriously. I don't feel like having a racetrack in Africa will be a good step for F1 because obviously it hasn't been one since Kyle Army fell off the calendar. I don't think anyway. Um, so if, if it's in like Marrakesh or Egypt or something, I don't know. But like, I think Bernie was trying to do that for quite a few years, try and get a, a track in South Africa or in Africa generally uh, somewhere. But that'd be really cool to get F1 as like the fully global sport because there's only five continents so far, which isn't really good enough <laughs> for a global sport. Yeah. I, 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 the problem is though, it, it, you're probably going to have to lose some more European... Well, now I say that, there are plenty of tracks that aren't in Europe that are bloody terrible that we shouldn't be racing at. Um, but then yeah, there are like, some European races that I'd be happy to see the back of. From a historic and nostalgic point of view, absolutely keep the Hungara ring. From a racing point of view, off you go. Yep. I think Sochi, it's, it's get rid of that as well. Sochi, Oh, yes, yeah. please. Um, How about the one we're watching right now? Yeah, <laughs> yes, I, would, I wouldn't be upset if this was to go... <laughs> I was relieved when they said they weren't renewing their thing. <laughs> I was like, oh, tell good. you what, though, 
I'd love to see a return to the Valencia street circuit. That's horrific. Like to, I hate that track. <laughs> I, I do really like <laughs> really? it. But, um, no, I mean, the, the, the state it's in now, have you seen pictures? It's like an absolute wasteland. It's quite interesting oh, yeah. to see. But yeah, there's no way that's coming back anytime soon. I mean, like, well, I feel like this is just something I repeated all last year um, on live streams when it comes to the Spanish Grand Prix. Um, use it for testing because that track is perfect for testing. It, like you said, Chris, lots of high speed and low speed corners, a nice long straight. It's a really good place to test your car all round. Um, I think it was Dave Richards that said, we're going back a bit here, 1999, I think it was, uh, about Barcelona, that it will expose a bad car. Um, so it's yeah. the perfect track for testing. The problem is because they do so many miles around it, they know it so well. So when we get to the Spanish Grand Prix, it's kind of, it's always a bit pants because literally they know everything about the track so you're not going to get amazing exciting close racing so get rid of it keep it for testing and go somewhere else you know i think the european races are important but i don't think history and all of that you know tradition should save a race and i don't think oh but yeah but we've always gone to barcelona doesn't matter it's not good for racing let's go let's go to sepang let's go to to india let's go back to south korea whatever tracks like that you know let's go to all the continents like you were saying jamie just just because it's in europe and because it was on the calendar for so many years doesn't mean it should still be there um and i still think monaco i, I stand by what i said in my my video a couple of years ago about monaco being axed um i don't want to see it go it's crap for racing make it a standalone event make a big fuss over it the the Monaco 1000 or whatever, or the Monaco 100, have 100 as a standalone event. Big fuss around it. I don't know what it is, but I do actually really like Monaco the whole race weekend. Oh, yeah. It just feels like such a, a like a celebration of F1 almost. Um, yeah. So I would, I would not want to see it go, but I do agree that you barely see overtakes really. But the, the tension last year with Verstappen seemingly having the faster car versus Hamilton mm. and like being on it although it was ruined a bit by the five second penalty he had but that was such a good race last year i feel like and it's not good for people who just who love to see the drive like cars drive past each other but realistically a track like russia where all you're doing is going past each other in a straight line that's also not very interesting so like seeing the intensity and the focus that drivers have to have i do think that has a place on the calendar so i would not want to see monaco go personally but i i do understand why people are not fans of it yeah, like I say, I wouldn't get rid of it, but I'd maybe make it a standalone event and make a big... Like, like the Indy 500. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for Monaco, just make yep. it a big fuss around it. Um, we've got some drama. Lando Norris going up the inside of a, an Alpha Tour. Um, ooh, yeah. Lando was trying to come in the pit lane there and the Alpha Tour, Gasly, um, was sort of getting out of his way and then, yeah, cut across him, but nothing major. They were doing about six miles an hour. Uh, so it's fine but yeah you, you said yeah just like over sorry chris i was gonna say overtaking monaco there are plenty of purpose-built tracks where we see no overtaking <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah. it's not necessarily that seriously yeah i've always got like i went to monaco a few years ago so i was kind of got a, a soft spot for it it's probably one of my favorite places in the world but yeah it's hard to ignore that the races aren't really that exciting and pretty much the race is decided on the Saturday and qualifying. And unless 
you crash or or there's like a pit stop mistake for example with ricardo in 2016 you know you're kind of going to go out to to win the race so yeah there might need to be some changes like you mentioned to make it more of like an indy 500 style event where it's it's a celebration or, or a one-off different type of thing do you know what I, um findlay and chat they're just talking about the circuit they're they're building in wales um I do feel like we need an up-to-date FIA-grade circuit other than Silverstone in the UK because I think ugh, that would give Silverstone a boot up the backside. F1 would be able to go, you need to bring your facilities up to scratch and, they'll, and they will be like, oh, well, no, I don't want to. And at least F1 can turn around and go, well, we'll go to this new track over here then have a British Grand Prix there. Do you know what I mean? I, I just feel like yeah. having a not, another option in the UK would just give... Because I love Silverstone. It's, we often get amazing racing there. Um, the atmosphere, I don't know if you've ever been uh, to the British Grand Prix. I went to qualifying like once or twice, like eight, nine years ago, but not since then. But even, even for just quality, the atmosphere is great. It, yeah, it's a yeah. fantastic weekend. But the grandstands all look temporary. <laughs> it's not got the best <laughs> facilities in the world. And, you know, for a track that old, um, and that is really one of the best circuits we've got from an FIA point of view, you know, they, they need to be upgrading it. I, th I think Bernie, I hate using Bernie's example, but I think he said around the time that um, Sepang or China were, were built, uh, the, the racetracks, not, not the countries, he's not that old. <laughs> um, I think he was saying that, that Silverstone could take a leaf out of their book or should take a leaf out of their book. So I'd love to see the facilities get an upgrade, but I don't think Silverstone will spend any money unless there's a genuine threat is going to go. Because all of that last year, by the way, all of that was just to try and drive the price down and then sell more tickets because it might be the last one. That was never going anywhere. <laughs> Interesting marketing strategy. It works. It sold out. I couldn't get. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Because I, I, was, I was actually... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I was, I was going to leave it till last minute because I thought I might get a better deal um, on camping and stuff. And then they were like, I, was like, I went to the website, I was like, I was like oh, Okay, I'll just go for the race then. They're like, the race is sold out. I was like, what? <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Year. Yeah. I was interested. I was reading one of the uh, the chat comments here from uh, Severson. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I, they could turn the Triple Crown into the motorsport version of the Grand Slam in tennis, which it's an interesting kind of suggestion if F1 did something like that. Obviously, it would be pretty complicated, but kind of have like – for special events like you do the grand slams in tennis so monaco could be one for example and maybe some other different types of tracks that all count toward the regular season in terms of the points and everything but are just sort of these special grand events that'd be quite a cool idea like have i don't know macau is quite a one-off event as well and stuff like that yeah. want, obviously what a mix of tracks because those two are pretty like both street tracks and both extremely narrow but I don't know if teams would sign up for that. Obviously, they have to have quite a big prize money. But even if it's just you take like the, the cars from the previous year and just get a bunch of the drivers along to have a bit of fun, it'd be quite an interesting watch, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Just try to think what the four tracks would be. I think Monaco's a, a definite, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Silverstone? It was the first one from a historical point of view. Have he... yeah. yeah, and he'd probably throw Spa? Monza in there as well. Yeah, Monza. We could name so many. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> 25. <laughs> yeah, Spa and Monza. Just, maybe you just have like 20 tracks and have a full season out of it or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was still, I, I threw around the idea last year of F1 holding some sort of an all-star event 
you know, you see these other sports like the NBA hold all-star games and things like that. It would be cool if F1 did something similar, even if it was just all 20 drivers in go-karts or something like that. Uh, you know, it would be fun if there was some sort of an all-star fantasy-type weekend in Formula One. Yeah. I mean, like, like they do things like they get the classic cars out for little classic races. Um, but I know what you mean. It'd be great to have some a proper all-star weekend. It just make a bit more fuss to try and, you know, promote the sport a bit more in a more interesting way than... But then I yeah. think the problem is we, we, we can come up with these great ideas, but with a 22-race calendar, we put everything. It's <laughs> yeah. trouble, isn't it? It's, they're, they're premier-leaguing Formula One. That's what they're trying to do. Right. Oh, yeah. And, you know, any of these suggestions will never happen, no. obviously. But, um, you know, it, it's possible because if you look at the last couple of years in Abu Dhabi when we get to the final race and the championship's not on the line I actually really enjoy seeing all the drivers like super relaxed the teams are a little bit more relaxed and you can kind of have fun with it and enjoy the sport a little bit more so it'd be nice to see that sort of a F1 exhibition even if it's just for one day um, to kind of get a different side of the drivers and to just kind of have a more celebration of the sport more like the other sports do it as well I feel like they have the opportunity to do that with the the race of champions they do like in January each year. I watched it right, last year, assuming not knowing much about it, assuming it's actually just a race of uh, the drivers together, like having a bit of fun. But then it just wasn't. It was this weird time trial thing. So <laughs> they could they could just do that where they get a bunch of like the previous year's cars that obviously aren't going to get used anymore unless you're racing point and then just sticking them all together and having a race with a bunch of the drivers there. Like obviously it wouldn't count for anything, but it'd be a bit of fun, like something to make yeah. the winter go by a bit quicker. It'd just be quite interesting. Uh, I'm going to go to chat, I think, for the last 20 minutes. Um, Jack says, are you coming to Silverstone this year? Um, I think I need a bit more money, mate. <laughs> I might have to accept that donation you put in. Uh, <laughs> I will be, but you won't be. Uh, yeah, um, I'd like to, but it just, uh, yeah, it'll depend on how money is, to be honest. Um, I, I didn't get to go last year, so I was, I was foul all weekend. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I was so grumpy all that British because like everybody, I was like, "Oh, here we are at Silverstone." I'm like, "Just get lost." Twitter <laughs> for the weekend. Don't ever want to look at it again. Um, Monaco is boring, says Triple X. Um, I think we can all agree the racing tends to be. Um... Oh yes, uh, I am three GTR. Um, how do you think? Six five five six three dash did yesterday. Um, he did all right. We we're talking about him earlier, actually. Um, we're just trying to work out. How to you two are very confused by that. I just realised. Um, <laughs> that's Latifi. The official timing yesterday didn't have Latifi's name on it on the actual F1 timing, um, and he was down as six five five six three dash. Oh wow! <laughs> that's what I'm calling Latifi. Right, this year. <laughs> really weird name, um, but yeah, um, I'm looking forward to seeing him this season. Uh, I need to refresh the chat now. It's all gone and crashed on me again. Uh, even with a better PC, it's live streaming for so long does put some bloody strain on it. I tell you that. <laughs> it's not even doing anything particularly amazing. It's just showing some live timing. But yeah. Uh, try putting all the F1 drivers into F1 cars for a race, says Hugh. I am totally down for that one. I think that'd be great. Um, or just identical cars. I'd quite like that for a race as a one-off. Get them all identical cars around a pretty standard track and see what happens. Um, I think we get the answer to a few questions on there. 
which would be nice. And we could all start speculating who's better in equal machinery. You watch it, we stroll. <laughs> Heard it here first. Um, Jack Webb, do you think Perez will finish in the seventh in the Drivers' Championship? Um, I mean, he's driving a year-old Mercedes, so you'd expect them to. I, I think Racing Point, prior to releasing their pink Mercedes, I, I think they were in for a shot of top four. I really, really do. They were very confident. They've got the money behind them. They've had a proper... Obviously, they had all that fuss, didn't they, in the winter when they nearly collapsed as Force India and became Racing Point, and that set them back for this year, for last year. So they've had time to get the car right. We know they always punch above their weight. They're one of those teams. So I actually do think, Chris, that Racing Point, prior again to seeing what they've done with the car or haven't done with the car, um, I think they're in with a shot of challenging for that top four. I think they've got a really good shot. Last year at the launch, they were really optimistic as well. Perez said the same thing, that they were they were hoping for fourth um, and hoping for some podiums and things like that. But I think this year they got a better shot of it with the extra year of Lawrence Stroll being with the team and putting all that money into it. I think that behind the scenes in terms of staff and, and, all, and all that things, they sorted it out so they can kind of start 2020 on the front foot instead of being on the back foot last year. And we're already seeing it just by judging how many laps they did. If you remember last year to winter testing, they were the second least, the second worst team in terms of lap count right behind Williams. Um, and that was because they, had, they didn't have a lot of the parts ready until Melbourne. They came up with a completely different car from Melbourne. So we're already seeing them ahead of where they were last year. So, uh, you know, Force India slash Racing Point always have been a team that's punched above their weight. So I think they got a legit shot with it, and especially with Perez and, as well. And hopefully Stroll will be able to improve his qualifying because if he doesn't improve his qualifying, I think it's going to be tough for Racing Point to to get to that fourth. Uh, Aaron Evans, thank you very much again uh, for that contribution. So put them all in F2 cars in Macau. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weekend. Uh, I'd be up for that one. Um, super quickly, uh, I will take some more comments. And um, Don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you're new. Back again in the morning at 8.30 a.m. with Jonty and Jess until 12. And then we've got Aldas. Uh, 1.30 till 5. That could get Larry. Um, <laughs> could be the most controversial stream of the week. Uh, yes. Anyway, uh, that's tomorrow afternoon. We're going to get a red flag here. Kimi Raikkonen stopped on track. Is this it? Why are we so excited about red flag? It's so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Steering wheel is out. 17 minutes left, I think. They might virtual safety car. In testing, and that's a red flag. Oh, you suck, Barcelona. Uh, that's it. We have a red flag. <laughs> I was gonna say, yes, don't, uh, don't forget to subscribe as well if you're new. Uh, great to have you. Drop a like on the video as well. Uh, thank you for your contributions today. We have a red flag at last. Are we happy, everybody? <laughs> I can sleep well at night now. Order has been resumed. That'll probably be that for the day, would it? Or do you think they'll get um, it back in in time? I'm trying to work out where he is. Um, Seems like somewhere sector three, sector three, maybe. Is that just it? Look, I can't work out. It's like just before turn nine. Seems like it was just a mechanical mm. issue, though, right? Didn't he didn't hit anything? Yeah, there's no no damage that I can see. Although the front wing always looks damaged on the... <laughs> <Ow>. <laughs> <laughs> Is that turn... 
I'll just zoom out. It might, or is it turn? Th it's nine or three. Although looking at all the gravel on the outside, it might. Yeah, it's just before turn nine. Uh, yeah, car just it doesn't switch off. It just. There we go. Yeah, um, anti-stall kicks in, and that's game over for Kimmy. Red flag. Um, they should be able to clear it quite quick, uh, quickly from now, so we might get the last 10 minutes. But he's in no rushes, Kimmy. I mean, he's, he's only ever rush, rushing when he's driving the car, isn't he? He's never rushing any other time. Uh, that's a Ferrari. I do full switch off, he's told, over team radio. Uh, yeah, rhetorical resources says Kimmy tried to get the teams off work early. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to go over he's had enough uh, thank you by the way rhetorical member I missed that um, great to have you here and once again I will try and sort out the membership thing <laughs> on YouTube I just keep forgetting it's a thing uh, with Patreon and whatnot. Uh, but yes I will get that sorted thank you very much uh, so what's Kimmy done today um, 134 laps 1170 fast I think he'd be happy with that uh, to call it a day pull over Go hide the steering wheel for 15 minutes. <laughs> He'll have time to go for an ice cream. Yeah. I think it's a bit cold, actually, to be fair. I know it's Spain, but <laughs> would that bother Kimmy? Yeah, how, how cold is it in Spain? Because it's about minus 20 degrees Celsius currently where I'm at. So. <laughs> wow, that is pretty cold. <laughs> I, I'm sat here in my office with my arms folded, shivering at five degrees. <laughs> You're at minus 22. <laughs> Listen, if it was five degrees, I'd be in shorts, <laughs> probably no T-shirt. Wow, minus 22. Us Brits do moan, don't we, Jamie? We're always so hot and it's 21 yeah. degrees. And everyone else like, it's 40 here, mate, all year round. And it's yeah. always freezing. It's five degrees. And that's Chris in a woolly hat at minus 22. <laughs> We're only happy if it's anywhere between like 15 and 20 and the rest of it is yeah. like 20 cold. Much, mate. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's all we've got moaning us Brits to be fair um, <laughs> Kimmy is from Finland good point uh, Thompson so maybe the cold <laughs> won't bother him at all maybe we'll have an ice cream uh, why not uh, 13 minutes they're taking forever to get it on the truck that's for sure so maybe not um, where's our wrenches <laughs> F1 drivers in Formula E cars around Monaco says James Could be interesting. What do you guys like Formula E at all? Uh, I watched. I tried watching the first race uh, a couple of weeks ago, and watched three laps and couldn't handle it because they just kept crashing into each other. <laughs> so it turned off. So no, I'm not a fan. <laughs> I, I I just can't get behind the the electric the electricity. I mean, it's. I I started watching Formula One when it was the V10 engine. So I'm I'm still on that V10 engine team v10 engine that's where i'm on so i don't think i can get behind formula e i mean the technology to be fair is phenomenal um super impressive yeah very very cool very interesting um i'm just still i guess a old school internal combustion engine type of guy uh i suppose breaking news and you can probably tell, by the way, I said that I'm really excited about Um Tyres confirmed for Azerbaijan. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to quiz you now. Okay. 
Australia, Bahrain, Vietnam and China were all C2, C3 and C4. What do you reckon the tyres are for Baku? Probably the harder. C3, 4 and 5. No, 1, 2 and 3, sorry. C2, C3, C4. Oh, brilliant. Okay. <laughs> They've got no imagination, Pirelli. Uh, <laughs> just, is that, what tyre should we take? Uh, two, three, and four. Whatever. Uh, yeah. Let's bring back the super hard tyre. Oh, I miss the Hypersoft. Just having a really high degrading tyre. Yeah. Not Pirelli. It's not a you, Sean. Pirelli. Uh, that was from Motorlat, so I'm just going to check that that was official from Pirelli. Um, we can never be too sure. Uh, thank you very much to Hugh uh, for becoming a member. Uh, thank you very much. That's awesome. Um, again, I, will, I promise I'll try and sort it out. I keep forgetting, but I will. Um, why don't they just send you to F1? When you like Pirelli Motorsport, you click on a thing and they take you to the wrong bloody. Oh, forget it. They're the tyres. They're black with colours on the side. Um, Class of the show, the classification. So I don't know if that's them assuming it's over for the day. Um, I don't think they've moved Kimmy's car yet. The red flag's still out. So uh, yeah, bit of a a miserable end uh, to today. But I guess first red flag of the the testing for this year. So it's not all bad. Um, I just shows how much running's been done. I mean, it was insane yesterday, um, and again today. Uh, it was, Quick run through this again, actually. Raikkonen, 134 laps. Perez, 144. Uh, Ricardo 41. Albon, 128. Gasly, 143. Vettel, 70. Russell, 116. Leclerc, 49. Hamilton, 106. Norris, 133. Grosjean, 158. Ocon, 46. And Bottas, 77. So, uh, there you go. Apparently, the Claxton's gone off, uh, Jess says. So, does that mean the pits are open? I can't remember now. Yeah, Bottas, 77 laps. Is that good? I mean, Hamilton's 106. He's got his problems, Bottas, hasn't he? He's in the garage. Yeah, so. I was just I was just reading that uh, electrical issue was uh, the reason why uh, Bottas was not coming out. Uh, there we go. The car is on the back of the truck. But nobody's really moving particularly quickly, so I don't know if we're going to get going again. 10 minutes to go. We might get a few minutes. Um... Yes, I was just reading that as well. Uh, Bottas' day is done. Electrical issue has ended our Thursday. That was from Mercedes. Um, I wonder if we'll get any information on Kimi Raikkonen. He just stopped reading, didn't he? So. There we go. Let's take a couple of questions. Uh, no crash, uh, Saad. It was uh, a mechanical issue. Or we assume mechanical issue. I uh, didn't see anything go wrong at all. Uh, so there we go. Uh, yes, the... Is it DAS? D-A-S? DRS, DAS, yeah, that is legal, apparently, although Red Bull are disputing that. Oh, no. <laughs> Specifically, Helmut Marco is disputing that. Red Bull <laughs> might not feel that way. Um, Mercedes did not hit 100 laps, Joe, unfortunately, because of Bottas' electrical issues. Um, oh, God, is, is the C1 the old Ultrasoft? Uh, no, the C... The C1 is what hards were before they changed yeah. them. So I think C4... Five is the closest to the ultra soft, but I think it's closer to the super soft. For God's sake! Um, do you know the only trouble with this this whole renaming system is that it gets really bizarre. That one race the C three can be a hard tire, but another race it can be soft. Yeah, and I feel like 
once we're in the season, it shouldn't matter really. Just go into each yeah. weekend with whatever tyres and just call them soft, medium, hard and let Pirelli work out which one's actually. Did you prefer the Pirelli rainbow? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, as like a, a full-on fan, yes, but I can completely see why they changed it because it was really stupid. Like going into a weekend with super soft being the hardest you can use didn't really make much sense. It's one of those, isn't it, where it's like um, from a casual fan, you understand the change, but for hardcore fans or regular fans, at least we knew exactly what compound everybody was on um, rather than having to guess at what it is or feel like guessing sometimes. <laughs> Uh, give me one technical reason why DAS will help Mercedes. I have no idea. It's just a system. Um, yeah. Um, Callum like the Hypersoft. Um, just having all the tyres clearer than it being explained overly all the time. That, yeah, that's... Yeah. That was my fear because you've just got Crofty or whoever in commentary going, the hard is a C2, the medium's a C3, and the soft is a C4. Um, if it's the colours that they were on the rainbow, you know what they Um Anthony Bilb, I was waiting for you to pop up with this question at some point. Um, I'll put this to you two as well. Um, thoughts on Gutierrez coming back to F1? I mean, we talked about a possible North American driver uh, for Haas. Gutierrez has been there before, still part of the Mercedes setup. I mean, never say never. I'd be surprised. I think he's had his chance already. Obviously, two years with Sauber and then the year with Haas, and I think he got points once. He got seventh place in Japan. And that was it forever. So in, in a car in certainly 2013 and 2016 that was capable of getting points on a regular basis, he didn't really manage it. And he must be over 30 now. So I don't really see him coming back. I'm not sure what he's been doing since he left F1. But yeah, I don't think any team will really be going for him. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I think maybe he's F1 ready in terms of his experience and maybe he has the super license points ready to go. But... I don't think it would probably be Haas's number one choice. And if you were to go back to somebody like a Haas or something like that, I think they might even just stick with Grosjean instead of going back to somebody like him. I was never really sure what to make of Gutierrez, to be honest. He was another one of those. It was all right. Do you know what I mean? Like, he, wasn't, he was never going to set the world alight, but I think we've had worse. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> had much oh yeah. Um Gutierrez did a couple of Formula E races while away from F1, so P Perez. Um can we bring back Felipe Nazar, says Billy Clark. Uh Harry wants Pastor Maldonado back. <sighs> Why? <laughs> How has he become a hero? How about him and Grosjean on the same team? Well, we had that for a few years, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. No wonder Lotus went broke. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think the Ferrari is sandbagging or do they have issues? Um, this is their A-spec car. They've got the B-spec coming week two. Um, I honestly wouldn't read too much into this at all, uh, timing-wise. I don't think there's any struggling going on there. Um, although, that being said, they've had their problems today, haven't they? Um, Leclerc had a few minutes out. We are green, by the way, for the last few minutes. Uh, I think Leclerc missed... I think it was about 15, 20 minutes of the, the morning session uh, with issues. So I, I shouldn't worry about Ferrari. They'll be, they'll be up there. They'll be up there. Um, Verline. 
What do you reckon about Verline, Chris? He, he's a he always crops up when we talk about driver lineups. People are almost desperate to see him back in F1, given another go. Yeah, and he's a driver that's kind of stuck around Formula One. I know he did some work uh, with the Ferrari simulator. I, I'm not sure if he's still uh, doing the work there, but I heard that he was a pretty big help in 2018 when Ferrari had a pretty good car, and a lot of it had to do with the good simulator work that they were doing. So, yeah, I mean, we didn't really get to see much of Verline at, at Sauber, and, of course, he kind of got pushed out there because, um, you know, different kind of circumstances, and Marcus Erickson was uh, the preferred choice for them. But I wouldn't mind seeing him back, back in F1 and give him another shot. Yeah, but I still, I still think F1 misses drivers like Jev. I think he was dropped too soon. Then again, that's that Red Bull problem again, and nobody picked him up. I don't think he'll come back. I think he said he won't come back um, in an interview with Formula E, but I I think there's so many, you know, people mock Formula E drivers and they're all F1 rejects, but there are a number of the drivers on the grid that I take over other drivers that are currently in F1. Um, obviously, stuff. <laughs> I want him back in F1, but I feel like I think Eric Verne. Deserves a chance. I'm trying to think now. Um, I had a number in my head then. Vern Van Dorn. I don't. I don't think the door's totally closed for De Vries either. By the way. Oh, yeah, there's sure. another good name. Um, I was never a big fan of Buemi. Uh, <laughs> for being completely honest, Verline. I'd like to see him get another go. I think he was a bit harshly dropped. If I'm being honest on that one. It's very unfortunate because, like, obviously, the first team he was at went bust, and then yeah. the second team he was at got replaced by the Leclerc, and there was he had to keep Ericsson for money. Re yeah, I think Verline and Leclerc would have been a really good lineup there. Yeah, in twenty eighteen, Salvo was actually decent. So if they had Leclerc and Verline, that'd been very impressive to see how far they could have got with. Uh, Jess was gutted that Hulkenberg didn't get a seat for 2020. I don't think you're alone. <laughs> um, no, certainly not. Oh, Fernando Alonso. Everyone wants Fernando back. Why? Uh, <laughs> it won't happen from all the rumors that I'm hearing. It won't happen. I was just reading, I think David Coulthard was making the comment that first of all, like a lot of these teams are, like we've mentioned before earlier in the chat, that are going toward the younger drivers. I mean, we've seen Ferrari commit to Leclerc, obviously Red Bull and Verstappen, McLaren with Lando Norris. So I don't think that a lot of these teams, because if Fernando were to come back next year, for example, I think he'd be 39 or 40 years old um, by the time he would make a, a return to Formula One. So I'm just not sure if any team would want to take an older Fernando Alonso, not to say that he's still not a world championship quality driver, but as we know, there's a lot of other baggage that comes with having Fernando Alonso on your team. Um, that's a name that I'm going to mention. Uh, Jack Clark, uh, Max Gunther. I'm a big fan of Max Gunther. I've been, I've been with one of those that I've watched quite a while now. Um, and I've been a big fan, so I'm glad to see he's doing so well in Formula E. Um, yeah, really took the fight to Lando Norris in F3. Uh, among others, so I'm a big fan of his. So yeah, I'd like to see him in F1. But then I highly rated Van Dorn. Look how that went. So he's probably better where he is, to be honest. Um, but quick run through the order for a final time. That is the flag. 
Um, it's all over. They did get going again very briefly. I say that's a flag. The green lights are on, but it is five o'clock UK time. So, uh, and the official stream has just ended. So, uh, Kimi Raikkonen ends today top of the. Okay, testing stream weirdly. Um, top of the timesheet, seventeen zero, one hundred and thirty-four laps. Uh, Sergio Perez was second. At 117.3, 145 laps. I think we'd all take that front row, uh, come Australia. <laughs> uh, that'd be very nice. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo, third, 117.7, 41 laps. Uh, Alex Albon, 117.9, 133 laps. Pierre Gasly, 118.1, 1, 147 laps. Sebastian Vettel, uh, he was in this afternoon, 118.1, 1, 73 laps. George Russell, 118.2, 116 laps. Charles Leclerc, um, 118.3, 49 laps. That does take Ferrari over the 100. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, 118, 306 laps. Norris, 118, 437 laps. Grosjean, who had a bit of a crash, 118. Uh, 158 laps. Ocon, 118.552 laps. And Bottas, 119.377 laps. Didn't get through 200 laps today, Mercedes, because uh, Bottas had an electrical issue which stopped his running. And I think uh, Renault, 93. So Renault are the only team who didn't go through 100 laps today. So we were very close to two full days of testing with no red flag and two full days with 10 teams going through 100 laps each at least. Um, so that's frustrating. <laughs> that's that's not good, is it, if you've got OCD? I mean, come on. That's that's terrible. Um, but yeah, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there, lads. Uh, thank you very much, Jamie, once again, for coming along. A bit more notice this year, yeah. <laughs> which I'm sure you've appreciated. Uh, yeah, was definitely. it 20 minutes last year? It was something like that. I was on, on the yeah. way out for uni and you were like, I need someone for the afternoon. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, it was nice to be back. Um, I, it was enjoyable, definitely. And I'll be tuning into the rest of the streams when I can this week and next week. So, yeah, looking forward to those as well. Awesome. I'll keep an eye out for you in chat. But uh, thank you very much, mate. Uh, it was great to have you on again. And great as well, finally, Chris. It feels, I say finally. Uh, we've only spoken a few <laughs> times, but I do feel like we had a conversation a while ago about Great to get you on. Um and definitely hopefully have you on something again in the future would be awesome so thank you very much and and obviously everybody don't forget to subscribe to their channels uh, down below yeah thank you very much uh, my pleasure it was a lot of fun and uh yeah thanks to jamie as well and uh yeah hopefully we do it soon again in the future definitely um but yeah i'm sure i'll talk to you at some point everyone on twitter and whatnot uh, I'll... but um uh, if i don't speak to you again this week i'm sure i'll talk to you at some point over testing so thank you very much again um yeah, we'll leave it there, I think. <laughs> right, well, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, goodbye. Take care, everybody. <laughs>